Okay, so this is episode two of Earth Special Forces. I'm Alex Neb, and I'm here with Andrew Dady. And um, for those of you who couldn't possibly know, um, we just spent the last 15 minutes talking, thinking we were recording, and we weren't. (laughs) (laughs) At all, at all. But we really did hammer out some good messages. So we'll probably revisit those topics in the conversation. I think either sometime later in this conversation or even a subsequent episode, because I don't want to retread it and feel like we're – be stale when I'm talking about it. But more or less, you know, we we spent the – we were away for Christmas break, and I had the flu for a couple weeks, so it's been a month, but we're back, and we're we're ready to uh, talk shop. Now, it won't necessarily be a month, though, I think, between the first episode being published and then this episode being published, obviously, because we had a couple weeks as a lead-up where we were trying to accomplish various things, but uh, we finally got it up there. We had a little bit of a hiccup where uh, we had some trouble with the uh, the powers that be at uh, Apple, making sure that we were uh, doing this the right way. We were taken down. Yeah, so, and uh, for what reason, we've not established yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll go ahead and we'll redress that at some point as we well. Got, well. We have an email chain. When it gets long enough, we'll release it on the on on the page it'll be fun yeah absolutely so we can see what our uh our overlords uh think are acceptable in the overton window but uh for those of you who are wondering real quick what we were talking about for the 15 minutes whew. oh man we took down obama we got him good talking a little I'm bit obama kidding. and trump but mostly we talked we're talking about like the democratic candidates running for president but we're gonna do that another time just we're gonna let the, the field mature a little bit more there's no need to get ahead of ourselves because right now there's already eight people in the race and there's gonna be at least eight more yeah, by another the fir- dozen for by sure. the first debate Yep. So, and once yeah, once the the kind of the weak ones get you know excised from the herd, yeah. we'll be able to to go ahead and spend some more time on the on the remainder. And uh, I think that'll be more fruitful than sitting here and kind of just let, tagging these guys. And we don't want to and we don't want to be part of the problem, which is that America is in a perpetual election cycle where like as soon as it's after Christmas after after the midterms, all of a sudden people are talking for the next two years about primaries for the presidency. No, no, no. I mean. Anything more than a year out seems highly gratuitous unless there's something really amazing happening, you know, publicly. So, right. But anyway, so um, let's let's um, let's pivot to Brexit real quick. Um, that's in the news. Obviously, Theresa May it was like 400 to 200 Brexit. Her Brexit deal was voted against is the biggest something like biggest fucking upset. Yeah, in, in parli- parliamentary history or something like yep. that. Uh, yep. Which uh, then led to a uh, no confidence vote by the Labor Party, and she was able to like barely survive that. But yeah, I mean, at least su- she did. She won't be able to survive the next one. But but more or less, you know, we, I I kind of mentioned this before. Where here's the thing, right? So you have representative democracy and direct democracy, and um, I'm not a big fan of plebiscites in um in in many like I like them in an intellectual sense, of course, like power to the people, everybody vote. But here's the problem. The problem with direct democracy is that it allows – it means your ignorance is of equal value to my knowledge. And um, you can talk about the hubris of that, but it's it's absolutely true. I mean do we want – when one out of five Americans can't find America on a map or or, or whatever – when, when the number one thing Googled after, after Brexit, the Brexit plebiscite was what is Brexit? I mean this is exactly why you can't have plebiscites for really important things. So – Anyway, so here's the thing. For a long time, I was like, oh, you know, they definitely shouldn't do another plebiscite, though, because then you'll betray all aspects of democracy, and people actually believe that they are run by a cabal of secret elites, because even when you vote in a way that they don't want, they just go back and, and make you re-vote for it to give them the right answer. But seeing how poor, badly this has gotten, and given the understanding that people voted for what they assumed would be a good deal, that, more or less when people vote for Brexit, what they, what they I assume they thought in their mind they were voting for, I'm voting for my representatives to negotiate this great Brexit that they campaigned on Brexiting for, and once they get that deal, I will accept that deal, so I'm voting Brexit. 
that's like the most charitable view. And seeing as that didn't play out that way, I guess the only way to really fix this is to have another fucking plebiscite. And now that people are quote unquote more informed, but are they more informed? No. And what does this do for democracy if we have to keep having revotes until we get the vote that we want? Yeah, I mean, I, I really I couldn't tell you what the best path path forward is, and I know that it'll obviously introduce some chaos into the system in the EU. But I think the best thing right now is probably just to let it fall apart. I mean, you say like they're leaving March 29th one way or the other, supposedly. I mean, there I is know. there there is there's like a small contingent of people that believe that they might be able to go ahead and and just completely like nix the entire Brexit thing, you know, concept. What a but, waste of two years. Yeah, seriously. I mean, all, all the all the disruption in the markets, all the volatility that we've seen because for of that, I mean, for nothing, mm-hmm. for nothing. And so it, it's not really, I don't think, again, I'm not sure what the outcome would be, but I know that, you know, just just for people to maintain faith in their elected leaders or, or even just generally in democracy, I mean, it, it would help to be able to f- see an example of somebody following through on a promise they've made. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? Hmm. <sighs> trying to think i mean it's just such a bad you know here's a slight tangent from that consider the eu for a moment you know eu invites countries to join the eu for the last 30 years say oh come join us we're great we love you we're european brothers and sisters we're gonna do great things together so people do join for those reasons then for whatever reason 40 years later like you know what this is bullshit i'm not really enjoying this i want my sovereignty back even if we're gonna end up with a world government 100 years from now we're not there right now and i'm not feeling the benefits of of these um of centralizing power in these supranational organizations whether it's the un or the european union so we want to get out now does the european union reward people who have paid into their process and supported them for 40 years no they say oh we're going to make it as difficult as possible for them to leave and we're going to fuck them that's literally their 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 official point like sure. wh- whatever his name was like oh god who's the head of the of the european union anyway it junk i can't remember his name anyway He's like, yeah, I mean, we're going to make it as horrible as possible because we want to discourage people in the future. Now, I understand that from an organizational point of view. Absolutely. The strategy behind that. Well, it's but, the Apple strategy for their ecosystem. I but, mean, you make it a closed system, and what you do is you 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 create so much pain and effort, you know, or, or effort required effort on the part of the individual who wants to to finally get out that it just doesn't become an option. But consider the but consider this promise though. Again, join the EU, and so it's like, um, you know, if if you future and if. You should. They say the whole time, "Oh, we think the United Kingdom should stay in the EU," yet they don't give them a good enough reason to stay. And then when they leave, they try to leave. They say, "We're gonna fuck these people so hard." So, like, is that an organization that is that gonna speak to the British people who voted for Brexit? Like, like, is that gonna make them feel wanted in that organization? No. So, because it, it looks like it looks like a sore loser. Oh, they're leaving. Well, this is bullshit. We're gonna treat them like shit. I don't know. It just it just comes across that way. It's just it it doesn't look like you're negotiating you, good faith. You mean a you mean a government or a government like entity would use fiat to try to control the people that are a part of the, the yeah. union? Yeah. That's the craziest thing. I've never heard of that before. Let's but uh what anything else about geopolitics or should we bring it back home? I mean I don't really know. Um, I know that uh, just in generally speaking, uh, we, we have the World Economic Forum going on this week in uh, Davos, and I know that uh, some major world leaders had pulled out of it already. Obviously, Trump wasn't in attendance. Um, I know that Macron decided to stay home, and uh, I think yeah. Theresa May decided to stay home as well, which doesn't necessarily bode well, I think, for the, uh, the, 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 the near future or even necessarily the long-term prospects of, of just you know economic growth globally. I mean, here's the thing about, like, like the Davos conference, I, I'm a reasonable, I'm a prag, pragmatic person. I, of course, I don't have a problem with rich, powerful people getting together to orchestrate world events. That's better than them doing 
That's better than them not cooperating. Here's the funny thing: when people, when millionaires get together at Brussels or or they get together at the at, in New York for the UN, it's considered great. The, the, you know, the left loves it. Like, oh wow, look at these supranational organizations. But when private citizens choose to engage as private citizens. And for the benefit of all their constituents and the and the, and the citizen, fellow citizens of the country, I'll say, "Oh, look at this 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 right wing cabal of these rich types getting together to coordinate economic events." I'm like, "This is an example of the private sector filling in on what governments fall short." Right. And um, and if you even though it's it's closed doors, when they do report about the meetings at Davos, they seem pretty reasonable. I mean, they're talking about market solutions to climate change. They're talking about like how we're going to get. The next, how are we going to have poverty? You know, they're interested in, in, in solving societal ills. They're not interested in, like, building an arc underground to protect themselves from nuclear fallout. Well, that we know of. Well, they already have it, so they don't need to discuss that any further. But I don't know. But whatever. I mean, people get, people get their titties in a twist whenever it comes to rich people hanging out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just – it seems like it's kind of like a there, – there's an interesting – dynamic there where you have like the majors of these uh, the majors wow the major figures of these western um uh governments that are just deciding to drop out of this this conference when you have uh, other individuals that are participating uh like the chinese who are conveniently now reporting their worst economic numbers in the last 20 years so it's almost like what what if i'm being conspiratorial what is happening right now what are we on the precipice of that maybe our leaders don't necessarily want to seem to be you know involved in i don't know i guess well we have to see what the media tells us um another story in the new state was the supreme court ruled 5-4 in favor of trump's transgender ban they removed all the injunctions now this isn't a mandate this just allows the military if it chooses to which i don't know if the military gets to choose to follow the the commander-in-chief but and except in the most extreme of, of cases, but um, but yeah, I mean, more or less, the transgender ban has been approved by the Supreme Court, and um, I guess that this, this can easily pivot into a conversation about one that decision, not the decision, but like Trump's Trump's whole um, impetus behind the um, the transgender ban and the transgender issue at large. I mean, I for one, to me, transgender people is is, is different from um. Is obviously different from, from homosexuality. I don't care if homosexuals serve in the military because they can pull triggers because anyone else. Now, some people say, well, what about a transgender person? It's about it's about whether or not you consider these people to be of the right mind and whether or not it's going to contribute or take away from, like, group dynamics in whatever. Like, when these people work in, like, in, um, like squads of 6 to 12 people. Absolutely. You right. know. Yeah, forget the battalion. I mean, go down to the lowest numbers. Yeah, we're talking, we're talking about groups of 6 to 12 yeah. people knocking down doors. Going on patrol. They need to work together cohesively as a unit. I need cover fire. Can you do it? <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Okay, great. Then we can work together. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like with like women in combat, right? The, obviously, Israel does it. I don't have a problem with it, but they have to pass the physical test. I don't want any lowering of standards for people in combat. And, of course, we need to have tests to show whether or not people can work in mixed units. And mixed units isn't just gender. It could also talk about – or gender. When I talk about gender, I mean male and female. But I, I guess now it would also include transgender and – um. No, I mean, I support the ban, not because I have any particular animus against transgender people. Though None I do whatsoever, believe... realistically. I mean, that, that's the fact. I was actually it. hanging out with a transgender person yesterday. This is, um, this is one of my— um... Good job. Prove your bona fides. No, I know. It sounds like my black friend defense. But, um, but no, this is actually a family friend from— This person was at my bris, you know, when I got my penis circumcised when I was a kid. I've known this person my whole life, um, and I watched him trans- uh, transition long before this was ever a political thing. And um, you know what's really funny? She, she is is a male to female, but she is um, 
a Trump supporter, which is it just shows that like the, like the identity politics of like looking at the world really right. doesn't pan out because right. pe- like just you know what's really funny most of my so lowest I, common denominator eighty five percent of my business is done with Muslim Americans, almost all of them are Trump supporters. And that's fucking crazy. Free you, enterprise, baby. You, you would think, uh, yeah, it's because they're all business owners, and ultimately, I think they understand where he's coming from. They don't feel personally attacked when Trump says whatever he's going to say. Right. I mean, they left those countries for a reason. They recognize that there's an element sure. in the country, and they don't want to introduce that element to the country that they've chosen to move to, which is America. Yeah, and even if it's not like a, some sort of larger cultural statement, it's at least one of like their like familial attitude where they're like, look, I want to be able to raise my children in a place where I'm not necessarily worried about them getting blown up yeah. as some sort of like uh, uh, collateral damage you know, yeah. for some sort of jihad that I don't believe in. Yeah, for sure. Um but anyway, I mean, like, I guess I have to, I have to, you know, we can't talk about these issues without putting our own points of view openly and honestly. I, I personally believe that that transgenderism is a form of body gender uh, dysphoria. I mean, if to me, like, for example, if there's just it's it's a you know liberals love continuums. Here's the continuum for you. You know, you don't like your nose, even though you have a perfectly good nose and it breathes fine, and everyone thinks you're pretty, but in your own mind you think you're ugly as fuck. You get a nose job. I think it's stupid, but it doesn't radically change your life. But I do think you, you have a little bit of a neurosis in your mind because you are seeing something that no one else has seen. So what else do we call that but a delusion? Yeah, or, or something that nobody else really cares about. I yeah. mean, that's the most important thing. Now imagine you don't like anything about yourself, including your genitalia, and then you go, I'm in the wrong fucking body. Not just the wrong nose, the wrong everything. Well, I don't know what else to call that but, but a delusion. And so now I've talked to psychiatrists that only talk off the record, of course, because it would blow up their career. They all say the same thing, like, "Oh yeah, I mean, this is this is body, this what a gender identity disorder or body gender dysphoria, whatever it's called." And um, well, and it was written up as such yeah. up until this last issue of the DSM. I yeah. mean, up until DSM four, it was still yeah. listed as the yeah. you know body dysmorphia, yeah. whatever. And, anyway. and that and that's it. And um, but because it's become politicized, I mean, now you know we're trying to create a protected class out of people, which are what I believe to have a, a mental disorder. Now, of course, let's be clear. There are all the different levels of function. The, the family friend I was with yesterday, I could respect him or her, whatever you want to call her, you know, as a family friend. Um, I would have no problem with them babysitting my kids. If they even want to teach, I don't care if they're around children, though I would say it might, it might confuse the children. Um, but this idea that I'm going to say, oh, yeah, that person is totally normal and there's nothing different about them compared to someone who's, who's cisgender is complete bullshit. I mean, clearly this person, this person spent $100,000 to chop off their penis. That, to me, is extreme behavior. Well, and I, I don't know what else to describe sure. it as. I mean, it, you definitely – the fact that they – look, I'm not saying that they're necessarily attention-seeking attention or that they don't revel in it or, or if they do, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. But the point is is that, like, this has become some sort of issue that is, like, everybody can fall back into their respective camps and either celebrate or admonish these people or at least, like, the way that they view their particular issue and their dysfunction. And, look, I mean, there's a reason why the spectacle of a, of a drag show – is is some a spectacle i, I mean, love them you know it's, i think they're fun yeah absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that but the fact is is that like shout out to university club in gainesville florida Sorry, these are people that live alternative lifestyles and you know that doesn't necessarily mean that i'm going to treat you any different than joe schmo down the block i don't deny their humanity it's, right. ben shapiro always says like i'm not denying them their humanity i will have lunch with you i will never vote to lock you in jail or even commit you to an insane asylum right like but I, you can't force me to say that you're normal, and you certainly can't force me to address you by whatever pronouns you choose, right. or or even worse, like in Canada's st- standard, you know, have me arrested for hate speech. Right, this right. Is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, you could definitely have the perspective that, like, look, I mean, it, I hate to, uh, 
use this terminology, but I mean, you can have a public and a private perspective on it. I mean, we know that those are that's a part of the new rules, right? So sure. just basically to be able to say, like, look, from a from just a, a familiar or an informal sense, like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to use the pronoun that you prefer, but if you ask what my stance is on compelled speech, I'm obviously going to tell you that I don't, I'm not into that. <laughs> I'm not going to buy into that because then mm-hmm. w- what's the next step? You know, no, for sure, it, it just never ends. I mean, government compulsion is not something that I'm willing to tolerate, even in the slightest. And let me be clear, like. If, if transgenderism is a legitimate expression of identity and um, and gender identity and whatever personal expression, then if they're gonna if they want to have the freedom to express themselves ever they want, including having the freedom of speech to pay money to chop off your genitalia and and change your identity, change your government cards, whatever it is, and, and live your life however you want, and go to whatever bathroom you want. Which by the way, I don't mind. You go to whatever bathroom you want. I'm not worried about transgender pedophiles. That's a red herring. Um, then you also have to give me the freedom of speech to tell you that I think you're fucking crazy or I think you're mentally ill. Yeah, or, or maybe think... not necessarily unfit to, to, to serve in a it's very high-stress like, environment where you're, sure. you're tasked with protecting other individuals who are moving towards the same goal. Yeah. I mean, we have to acknowledge that that might be a possibility. For sure. And, um, and also, you know, I'm just, I'm just really skeptical. Again, the, the protected class thing keeps coming to me. And like, how many protected classes are you going to have? So if you have if you have if you have a hundred humans, wait, gender is protected class. When they say gender, they mean female. So now 50, 50 of those hundred people are protected. Then you take gay. Okay, well now you got another three to six. So now you got fifty six. And then you say you got and then um and then you want to go for uh, minorities. Okay, so now we take another fifteen percent. So now you got another fifteen people. I mean, why don't you just say what you want to say? White heterosexual cisgender Christian males who have money are the worst piece of shit in the world, and everyone else is a fucking responsible for all the ills of Western society. And everyone else is a yeah, the society that they fucking created, right? And and and, and um and everyone else is a victim, and they deserve special privilege. I just feel like that's a, that is so anti to my concept of citizenship and equality. To me, I'm the real. I feel like I always feel like I'm the real egalitarian in the room because I'm telling people I don't give a fuck about your personal issues. I just expect you to wake up and go to work. Yeah, it's you know it's also the thing that bothers me at least specifically about that is that like. Even even if I we're going to grant that there should be protected classes based off of immutable characteristics, yeah. uh, choosing to transition genders is an elective procedure, right? So that yeah. doesn't necessarily qualify for this 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 immutable tag. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm not going to pay for that. I mean, I just don't understand why. And you know, here's the thing, though, is that I mean, if you're a service member, I mean, they're they're trying to sue so that you know the government has to provide for that. I don't even want to pay IE taxpayers. I don't even want to pay. For example, the type of healthcare system that I would support. If obviously I, the the number one one I would want would be like get rid of all government regulation even or maybe even like super regulation make insurance illegal and then the market would really sort itself out. But I understand that we don't live in a libertarian paradise. So as a form of being charitable and and meeting people halfway, I do support a single payer system, but not one where everyone gets everyone gets everything under single payer and we all pay an extra twenty percent of our tax bill. I'm looking for more like a Swiss model where you the, you, the everyone has the public one which is cheap which is covers broken arm having a cold the flu. Uh, mammograms, things, preventative care, and, and basic maintenance care. But when it comes to um, advanced stuff, like, oh, you smoke and you got lung cancer, oh, you're fat as fuck from your McDonald's and you got heart, heart, heart disease, or you're fucking, or you're transgender and you want to chop off your cock, well, guess what? I'm not fucking paying for it. That has right. to be part of the private option, that the added-on insurance. Yeah, well, this is the argument, though, is that they'll, they'll say, I mean... It's a two-tier it, system. Right, well, okay, fair enough, yeah. And then, well, the, they'll also go and say, like, where does it end, though? Because, you know, yeah, we start out, you know... I mean, everything started out here, right, as basically being like the, the, the private industry controls everything and that the government only steps in when they need to kind of, oh, of modulate course. competition, yeah. right? You know, when things get out of hand, when there's natural monopolies no, that arise. It's the pipeline problem. It's slippery slope. It always expands. Right. And so, I mean, how do you, how do you go from 
How do you eliminate that? I mean, that's, how do you that's eliminate that? How do you have how do you have a society? I don't really know how how you organize millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people. I, right. I really don't know. Um, ideally, people need to be informed and they need to participate, and we need a good system in place. And when the system fails or gets outdated, we have to find ways to improve. Upon well, that's that why system. we're trying to institute a socialist paradise where nobody has to work and everybody has the time to be duly informed. Speaking of socialist paradises, uh, not a socialist, but Andrew Yang, one of the guys who is running for the Democratic presidency, um, UBI. He, he's he's just, yeah, exactly. He's a single he's a single issue guy just trying to bring uh, trying to bring UBI know, into atten- the public atten- sphere. Atten- yeah, exactly. Bring attention, conscious aware, aware uh, raising to universal basic income. And this whole thing is like you know. You should listen to him. Andrew Yang was on the Sam Harris Waking Up podcast, but more or less, a universal basic income says, you know, let's get rid of all government programs and replace it with a single payment that's given to everybody over the age of eighteen. No Something like asked. I think they're proposing. He wants to do a thousand dollars. Oh, a month. was it? I thought. I thought now it's kind of been modified. I thought it was like three thousand dollars a month. No, that's way too high. I mean, that would that would destroy the the, the reason to work. The idea is to is to. This make... is why I'm bringing it up, though, is yeah. because I think that he's kind of like shifted now because they 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 had said that he still says a thousand according to his site. But I don't Does know. it? Okay, good. But, All right, um, so. But here's that the, was something that was floated by well, somebody who may not know. No, no. So, so here's the thing. So the whole point, you want to give enough. My, my dad used to say you want to give people enough to do something but not enough to do nothing. And um, so if you give people – if you give if you got rid of all government programs, say everybody, you're on your own. But guess what? Everybody gets $1,000 a month. What that does is – so I had friends that got fired from bullshit jobs at Starbucks and, and like, I don't know, the video game store in high school. And they were sitting on home and welfare. I'm like, why don't you get a fucking job? He goes, bro, I can stay home. And get twelve hundred dollars a month, or I can work and make eighteen hundred dollars a month. What's the fucking point? The idea about UBI is you give everyone a thousand dollars a month. Now it's no longer worth it to stay at home. Right. Now you want to work that eighteen hundred dollar a month job because eighteen hundred plus a thousand is twenty eight hundred, and all of a sudden you're able to live on your own and have a life of right. dignity and respect right. that a job affords you. And so that's the idea behind it. And now here's the thing: we're already get, we already have I think UBI. It, I think it's a noble endeavor. We already have. We don't have UBI. We have partial uh, partial UBI. Sounds funny. Partial universal basic. Where do you have this? We give we give we give money already to all these different choice groups of people. And we create all these stupid bureaucracies to support these stupid programs. Right. This is this is so bad. I mean, this is exactly like what destroyed colleges, where you like the administration costs have gone up twelve hundred percent in the last thirty years. But like, but like, professors right. have only increased by like five percent. Right. Yeah. We have the to number of administrators are up three hundred percent. As you we, know, have as to the, to we have to get rid of the bureaucracy, and um, so this this provides two solutions. One, it provides an alternative to the current welfare state, and one that might actually work. And if it doesn't, then we should get rid of it. Everything should have a sunset clause. We should try it for ten years. If it doesn't work, get rid of it. The other thing is, um, yeah, I mean, it gets rid of um, it, it, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it, it replaces the current welfare state and and provides people with an opportunity. To, to work but i don't know i mean the point is it's not happening anytime soon but i do believe in my lifetime you know given the great replacement of jobs with technology and stuff like that ubi might be inevitable inevitable sure okay so then let's talk about how we get from here to there 30 years i don't know let's see okay well 30 years that's 30 years to address the various problems that we're going to see if well, we I do try I... to institute a program like that we already have enough problems as it is with individuals nope. who don't necessarily qualify for programs that are taking advantage of the system we have you know it's all kinds to, of problems with immigration and things like that. Not necessarily that I'm against immigration. I, I, I mean, the UBI – so they did a UBI trial last year in Finland. Yeah. And actually that, failed miserably. Yeah, it, that I was going to say. That, that went no, off like gangbusters, but, right? But, but, let's be, <clears throat> but let's be – but I do have a couple things to say to contextualize that. One, I think they only did 2,000 people. Two, the problem with doing a UBI in a country like Finland is here's the, here's the hard truth to accept, folks. In a country where people are already paying 50% of their money in taxes and you have a million opportunities, zero crime, lots of jobs – 
everybody's fucking you got a group think everybody's everybody's of a similar ethnic background you have these nice little socialist homogenous states if you can't make here's the whole thing you know if you can't make it in iceland if you can't make it in finland granted there, there are reasons why if if you can't make it and you're at the bottom let me be clear if you're if you're fucking dirt poor and you can't get a job and like you're homeless in Iceland or Finland, even though they have free housing and all this stuff, it's because they're, you are fucked up. I'm not saying it's because you fucking deserve it, but but you are fucked up. I mean, you you can't function in a, in a perfect society. How are right. you going to function in an imperfect society? Now, of course, there are people that can't make it in these countries at the in the middle class because they're just they're being held. They work really hard, but they can't get ahead. I mean, you know, when we're talking about wealth creation, I totally sympathize with that. Like, I can understand easily how someone could grow up in a country like Iceland. For 30 years and then be 30 years old and only have a thousand dollars in their bank account because it's just fucking hard to save money in a really expensive country where everything costs four times what it does in america and then and then the government takes half of what you make to begin with yeah but who's not who's to say that that wouldn't be what exactly what occurs here i mean well i i would in america my difference is i think america actually has a fuck ton of opportunity i mean it's just everyone who comes here says the same thing oh my god there's so much opportunity here so they obviously see something that a lot of the natives in the country don't but um but what i would say is so I look at the black community, and they had lower rates of unemployment than whites until the welfare state really came to maturity yeah. in the late 60s. Um, why? Well, because they had to. They had to work. I think the welfare state destroyed them. I think good good, good intentions. And it's not just that you think this. This is what the data oh, it's supports. Been oh, yeah. I mean this has been borne out by, by – by, by I'm just saying it for the listeners from, because one yeah. of the things that I think that we fail have, we've failed to do so far is like contextualize some of our viewpoints with any type of reasonable reinforcement from – you know, scholarly individuals who would who are actually like paid to do yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, of you thing. should read Thomas Sowell. I mean, there's a there's a black intellectual economist who's written for decades about basically been relegated to a closet in Stanford because his views don't necessarily fit the status quo. Well, it's very inconvenient to to say like, uh, you know, the war on poverty, a trillion dollars spent, and poverty's been stuck at fifteen to seventeen percent for the last seventy years. Clearly, giving people shit doesn't work, especially the way it's structured in America, which it makes it which creates trans transgenerational welfare families because to get off welfare is to be poorer than you were on welfare so this is this is this is the problem with like the current welfare scheme how it's how it's construed like benefit systems um there well, are alternatives though but we're not we're not embracing them obviously yeah and well and this is a thing though too is that just as a thought experiment i mean like i i struggle to see how we wouldn't fall into the same trap in a long-term sense that finland did where you're saying that like the tax rates are exorbitantly high you know everything costs so much uh, for the average person who is on UBI, maybe they still can't make it work. Well, I fail to see how we yeah, as you, keep, a you have to keep raising different. the UBI and the prices keep going up. Right. No, of course, the idea here's the problem Weimar America, let's well, do it. Yeah, and you know, we got to be really careful about this too. So, like, poverty rates in America are like 17%. Poverty rates in like Scandinavia are much lower, much lower. Um, especially, well, granted, Sweden and Denmark have changed considerably because of their immigration problems. But when we're talking about like cleaner, uh, cleaner countries, countries with cleaner, like a uh, records. Oh, you but, mean not the shitholes? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, when you, when we're talking about like Finland or Iceland, um, poverty is really low. I think there's only so Iceland has 300,000 people and only 100 homeless people, and you only, and now you don't see any of them. I've never seen a homeless person in my life in Iceland, and I've spent two months there so far. Um, where are they? You know, of course, I talk to Icelanders. Oh, there's this there's this small camp on the outside of town. They they camp there, and everyone gets their free money. I'm like, why don't they go to the government housing? He goes, oh, they don't give a shit about that. They just they want they're drunks. Yeah, you know that's, that's not what interested. They, they're right. alcoholics. Yeah, you know. So 
of, here's my problem with, with like liberal good intentions. There's no amount of good intentions that will get people off their fucking ass. It's true. There's the one in the hundred case where they just need that opportunity and right. they will rise to the occasion. Right. But most people, which which conveniently though might also be just the guy who's willing to pull himself up by his bootstraps. I mean, they constantly complain about that type of philosophy on the right. But realistically, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say that the the numbers that are willing to do so would probably be about the same. Well, I don't think we've been clear. Let me let me, let me be absolutely clear. UBI as I'm visioning it 30 years from now, isn't for the poor. It's for the middle class because as jobs will dry up and there'll be so much automation that there'll be less jobs that you're going to need to give people some sort of like basic benefit just for them to function. Or there's going to be some sort of class war or or there's going to be like, or it's going to be like Elysium where you could have the super fucking rich and the super poor. Like it's not really about the poor. There's a, there's an argument to be made that the poor will net will always, what's the thing? Well, who's the famous person said you will always have the poor. They will always be with you. I can't, I don't know. Was that Jesus? I don't know. Someone said it, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so there's something to be said about that, but, um, but whatever. I mean, let's pivot away from universal basic income because it is just, Kind of intellectual masturbation. But what, what I was going to say, the last thing about the Finnish model was that I think that's not the best place to do do the UBI. Um, I think they need to pick a more diverse country or even a larger country with like a large – 2,000 people is fine. You can do 2,000, 5,000 people. I just think you need a more diverse group of people because if you take – if you take – if you just experiment with, with – now, granted, they did random people in Finland. So someone's going to be like, oh, I actually didn't read the fucking study. Let, let, me, re- let me rephrase. They, they took cross-sectional people. But again, you're talking about 2,000 people in Finland. Um, it's just not that type of country. I want to see them do UBI um, either with the lower class, like just go out to Belgrade and do UBI. Go to Pahokee, the poor city in Florida. I want to go. It has 30,000 people. Let's do UBI for 2,000 people there and see if it transforms the city. I, I can't. I yeah. don't see any path where it does. Or, but, but, but I just want to see the data. I'm not, sure. I'm not hopeful. Absolutely. I'm not hopeful. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to fucking do it. Yeah. But I want to see what actually happens when you do direct cash injections into a really poor community. Now, are people going to just spend it on yeah, absolutely. fucking cigarettes and yeah, alcohol? they'll be ball and they'll, yeah. everybody and, will and, have and, a new yeah. pair of Jordans. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll find out. Or are they going to start doing little businesses? Are they going to start selling things? I mean, because there is, like, here's the funny thing. Even when you go to that shithole pokey, we go there every week, you do find because it's so unregulated because there's no government there anymore you find a guy on the side of the road selling rabbits yeah pockets of industry sure yeah, po- they, just little tiny businesses you know people selling things for five dollars with the margin they're making a dollar and now of course they're still in welfare and they're getting that check but they're but they but some of these people are motivated to do something and I, i'd be curious to see what they could do with some extra cash but again it's it's all intellectual masturbation at this point because we don't have the data we don't have shit all we have is ideas. But I do know what we're currently doing with the current welfare state has fucking failed, for the, just like the war on drugs. Absolutely. It's and we've given work. it far too long to fail. That's the big thing, too. I mean, like, you just – you kind of touched on it earlier, and yeah. you said, like, the, essentially the destruction of the black family really yeah. kind of kicked off around the same time that the welfare state really kind of, like, got going. Welfare state and fucking the war on drugs, just, like, the twin evils yeah, that absolutely. really destroyed the black, black family. Yeah, and so if you really want to, like, make a change and see how people can actually, like, you know, progress – uh, I mean, coming from areas of low economic, I guess, what, what would be the word? Where you're you're not necessarily gifted anything from your generation past. Yeah, yeah Where I mean, there's not generational, I yeah, guess, success no generational, or wealth. No, there's no generational wealth. There's yeah, nothing. so you get, you get rid of those two aspects, right? And figure mm-hmm. out how to supplement that with something that, or replace that rather, not supplement it, with something that actually works for those people. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think handing them a check is going to do it. I think that this is, this is well, my— you, I have a question. Do you have a problem with people being handed checks in Alaska? Like having like a share of the dividends from the oil profits because that's something that currently happens 
in our country. People, no, but, I don't think so. I that that's not a problem because it's privately done, right? But is it mandated by the state? I think I don't know. There's I don't think it's mandated, but I think that it was signed off on. I think there's two things. I think one of them is a check that the oil companies give the Alaskans. I like that because they're private companies and they should sure. do what they can to win the yeah, share win the, well, the people. Right, but they I think wear the wealth the, of their own. And then the other one is, of course, government interference. The government wants to encourage people to move to Alaska, so the government gives people two thousand dollars a year yeah. to live there after after you're established resident. But anyway. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll move on. Unless you have something to add, I uh, I don't really. I mean, I just it, the whole the, the entire concept to me seems a little bit too familiar at this point. I think that what we really need to do is we need to transition away from what our current welfare system is. Sure, see how that affects the population. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But but like, good luck in this political environment. I, By the look, way, when I when I again said, intellectual masturbation. I yeah. mean, if we're if we're looking at a path forward, I think that's a reasonable way to go. You sure. can't necessarily replace one fucking ill with another. Sure, but 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 definitely like, I I am open to replacing. A confirmed bad idea with a possible slash probable bad idea. I don't think immediately. I think that's yeah. a, that's a that's you you don't you need time to change hearts and minds before sure. you can actually yeah. like do that and expect a different outcome. Well, I just mean like for example, like you, like just like my thoughts on healthcare. Like I support nothing. I want nothing. I want I want a completely free market because I know that brings prices down. That's why all the cash clinics are doing knee replacements for ten thousand dollars, all complications included. While the insurance ones are one hundred twenty thousand, no one can afford them. Um, but you know. In the, in, the, in the spirit of being reasonable, because I don't want libertarianism to turn into what the Democratic Party and the Republican Party has turned into, which is a bunch of fucking ideologues that refuse to even negotiate. Like, I say, like, I'm willing to meet you halfway. Now, granted, UBI might be a little bit extreme for meeting people halfway because it's actually a radical idea. Um, but when it comes to healthcare, for example, that's why I said, like, well, how about we try basic minimum care? We get rid of, we get rid of Medicare and Medicaid, and we replace it with, with, um, with, um, Basic health care for all. Basic. So only sure. only trauma, um, basic things like, you know, colds and flus and like and like preventative care. Cause, sure. Because an ounce of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. That's what I, and then we can still let people do private insurance for advanced shit. To me, that's me meeting people halfway and trying to trying to show because I understand that I'm not an island. I do live in a society that our fellow citizens I try to think about now intellectually. Do I say what do I owe these people? Obviously, I go nothing. But 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 on a deeper sense, I go well. If we're gonna have a society where I get, where we're, if we're gonna have a democracy, yeah. I guess then we're then people are gonna have to negotiate in good faith. And I'm willing to negotiate in good faith. And that's what I mean when I suggest things like, well, there might be something to this UBI. It's not because I go this is the fucking panacea to our pro- social. Sure. No, of course not. It could all be a big fucking mistake. But even that mistake would be better than the current welfare state. If, if it's set at the right number. I don't number. think there's if a sensible person on, on either end of the spectrum that really disagrees with that. I think that what you hit the nail on the head oh, earlier is it's not— There are people that are invested in, like, in the status quo. Oh, or, well, or of course. Else. Of course. I, I said yeah. sensible. Oh, so sorry, maybe sorry, sorry. that's, that's like—I eh, don't know if that's necessarily like all-encapsulating in, in terms no, of— No, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. But it just—the idea that <clears throat> you're going to be able to get basically everybody to agree on anything is, is just—it's not going to happen. So I think it's a. It, well, luckily only half of people vote. So fuck, we only have to start there. Is it even a half? Are we sure it's a half? National th- national elections. Well, maybe just. Well, okay. So what? Well, what, sorry, what is it? National. Nation, yeah, I mean, because like, so I think it's like 180 million people out of 330 million that were eligible voters, and something like 120 million vote. So maybe that was that was pretty high. Yeah, I was gonna say that was the the biggest turnout I think we had, but that's yeah. because they were able to polarize <laughs> the candidates so easily. Fucking, yeah, I mean, woof. I can't even imagine what's going to happen two years from now. I can't wait to see if the Republicans have the balls to challenge Trump as well. 
Well, they were saying, I mean, everybody on the left is lifting up Mitt Romney as a reasonable challenger, which I don't know how you really recover from groveling at the feet of the president for that secretary of state position and then waffling on his yeah, endorsement some, and this and the other. fucking self-respect. Yeah, which is amazing, too, from a guy who's as successful as he is, like, personally. Yeah, some of his $20, 50000000 million you think would have more, in t- could afford integrity. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! oh! <laughs> Shout out Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, honestly, like I said, all I'm waiting for... I mean, it's been said on the Dave Rubin uh, podcast as well. It's like, please, please, somebody have a re- – problem is we don't even have real debates in this country like they show like on the show newsroom. But if we ever have like a like a real debate, please just somebody look to Donald Trump directly in front of the fucking camera and say – like, and th- just make it a random question. Hey, Donald Trump, what are the three branches of government? Go. Like now, of course, people say, well, this could be – this is a bitch test. Just because he doesn't know that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to – Govern the world, stuff like that. Of course not. I understand the fallacy, but it does show that he's incredibly ignorant and he's right. probably unfit for the position. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. And and this is the problem, though, is that because because pushing so far in a direction that was unfamiliar worked so well on this side of the spectrum, they're going to try to do that on the other side, oh, of too. Course. And who knows if it's going to succeed or fail, but honestly, weep for the culture, weep for the country if it does. Because I'll tell you, at this point at least, I'll take three Trumps over some of the – authoritarian left that o- I see. I'll, I'll be sorry. I like Donald Trump more than I like Ocasio-Cortez. That's an sure. easy thing to say. Right. Because I feel like she's far more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as ridiculous as he is, I mean, yeah, maybe he'll get us into some sort of political skirmish here, there, or the other, you know, but, you know, there's at least a room full of advisors and other individuals that could be like, you know, kind of walking back. Like, your friends would grab you at a party if you're about to, like, go punch the fucking biggest guy in the room. Yeah. But with her, there's just enough crazy on that side of the aisle to support her and be able to push through some of this crazy legislation and bankrupt the country. I mean, we don't necessarily need to be in debt any more than we are, and we don't necessarily need to be selling out uh, you know, our future uh, just to pay for these current so, programs. I mean, this is why we so desperately need libertarianism in this country, because not even Republicans, supposedly the party of small government, were ever going to run. They say things like, oh, we gotta shrink, we got to fight the deficit, we got to shrink the— the debt, shit like that, but they'll never act. To do that actually requires entitlement reform, and these people do not want to lose um, the elderly vote. The they elderly can't. Vote. They can't afford it. No, because they're the ones who vote the most, right. and they're all and they're all on entitlements. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. It just takes one person with a brain and balls to go out there and say, "Hey, look, I'm not going to anyone who's already on the government dole or ten years out. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about. I mean, even if you want to kick the can sixty years down the road, you can do that. All you have to say is anyone born after today." Is no longer in these programs. Right. You just have to kind of pick a, a line, draw the line in the sand, actually stick to it, which is yeah. something that I, we've and been then, incapable and then, and then, of doing so And far. then whenever the blowback comes back, when they say, oh, he's trying to take your, your, your fucking your, your, welfare, your welfare. No, Grandma, he's not. He's fucking talking about your great-grandkids who you're never going to meet because you're going to be dead. Like, and, and you have to somehow have the balls to just bluntly put something out there like that. I mean, even you know what's fucked up? Even Putin, a fucking dictator, couldn't get entitlement reform through his country. Right. How fucked up is that? <laughs> Especially with all the ballot stuffing that goes on there. I mean, you know. He literally had to walk back entitlement reform in his own fucking country. But yeah, I mean it's it's really hard to take the uh you know the bone out of the the the, the mouth of the beast once it's already given. So I mean the the idea no, is never get there in the first place. It's really hard to put a leash on a dog once you put a crown on its head. That's from Game of Thrones. But yeah, I mean like for sure. I mean you can't you can't spoil a bitch. I mean that's the way it goes. Yeah, in more ways than one. Yeah. All right, should we pivot again? Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's see what's uh, what's next on the docket nothing here. Nothing special. A massive terrorist attack in Afghanistan. Nothing to see there. Yeah, um, which is honestly a little weird, though. I mean, did you kind of see what happened with that? They were saying that it was like uh, the the individuals that were hit were uh, 
private contractors, warrant officers, things like that. It seems like there might be a little bit more there than meets the eye. I mean, most of those individuals yeah. are part of the intelligence apparatus. We're going to have to wait for the investigation. I mean, oh, sure. I'm just yeah. It just seemed odd kind of discussing that. Impromptu. Let's see. There was that Saudi team from two weeks ago who – who like uh, ditched her family on vacation and then flew to Thailand trying to get to the West? Oh, you don't know about this girl? No, I haven't heard about this. Her Enlighten name, me. Her name's uh, Rahaf Mohammed. Um, she had a last name, but she's been disowned, so she doesn't have that anymore. Ooh. Um, so that's what she's going by. Yeah, I mean, she fled. She's a pretty young girl, um, clearly Western oriented. She goes, uh, "I'm an atheist. My parents are gonna fucking kill me, and mar- either gonna kill me or they're gonna marry me off to be a broodmare because that's how it goes in 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 like the Arab Islamic world." For, for lack of a better better term and um and yeah so she she did the brave thing and she fucking bailed and she fled and and she was granted asylum in um in canada and that's that and, and go figure she's not wearing a hijab it's weird that she's not embracing that uh that garment of uh of female liberation that, so weird <laughs> to see a woman that's not empowered like that yeah it's just crazy um, i don't know i mean there's nothing there's not much more to the story than that but like you know Good for her, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, anytime that you want to, you know, dissent from, you know, the your your parental and societal uh, structure, I think that you deserve credit. I mean, even if it's not necessarily like a, um, you know, an overly oppressive regime. I mean, the fact that you have the 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 chutzpah, the well, <laughs> the wherewithal to say this Muslim to, girl had the chutzpah to get up and leave. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. hey man, kudos, kudos, congrats. Um, what about uh, okay? Covington Catholic. What's that? Really? That's interesting. All right. So Covington Catholic, that's the uh, the boys' school from Kentucky that apparently confronted the Native American Vietnam oh, okay, veteran. Okay, hey, now, now I know okay. what we're talking about. Sorry. I didn't know what the school name Sure, 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 yeah. First of all, I watched that video. Nothing happened. The funny thing is, like, again, things always getting blown up out of proportion. I saw a bunch of young lads being cunts and, yeah, laughing, absolutely. and being laughing, stupid at some, teenagers. laughing at some person. But this, this Native American guy... What's he doing? He's going around banging a drum, like kind of chanting. Well, I'd make fun of him if I saw him at a bar. I mean, like that's what it, I mean. You're right. making a spectacle of yourself. They're a spectacle. Everybody's there laughing at each other. I didn't see anybody punch this guy or throw beer cans at him or say like, "Get the fuck out of our country!" You wouldn't make any fucking sense. Well, but. you know, here's the thing though: is that like reasonably speaking, I mean, we gotta let's let's put all this in context. So the very first thing that came out was that there was a video, a 26-second clip, where the Covington Catholic boys appeared to be standing around, uh, essentially for the purpose of intimidating this Native American elder who is banging a drum, wearing ceremonial garb, and we were led to believe that these individuals were harassing him. There was reports that they were all chanting, build the wall, build the wall, blah, 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 blah. You know, the the kid who's standing directly in front of him kind of has a smirk on his face because he's a typical douchebag from a fucking upscale family in Kentucky. (laughs) You know, whatever. It is what it is. Isn't that ironic? But in any case, so... (laughs) I didn't didn't know it was a crime to smile and laugh at people. Yeah, so this is the 26-second clip, you know, fuel the outrage cycle, and then somebody comes up with the entire video. Well, the entire video then obviously reveals... That not only were the kids not the aggressors in the situation, they were actually some of the they were being attacked by these guys. Mm-hmm. This gentleman went on to do the full media circuit, this this Nathan Phillips, tell them, tell anybody who would listen that these boys accosted him and that they were they were not allowing him to retreat, this, that, and the other. It's but the, the per- fact of the matter is, is that they were actually just standing there. He approached them. Yeah, of course. And and yeah. they just 
I mean, I mean, just like I would probably do if I was that age and was approached by a Native American wearing full ceremonial garb, banging yeah. a drum in my face, I would just stand there and, and the be guy like, has like, what is And this the guy only doing? has like four fucking teeth. I mean, so the crazy thing about all this, though, is that now as more details emerge from the video, um, you know, you can hear uh, members of the group of Native Americans chanting things and yelling obscenities. They called the one uh, black kid that they had with it, the Covington Catholic kid who was black. They called him a nigger, like yeah. hard R nigger. Yeah. And then uh, one of the other individuals says to the guy, um, says to the group, nobody in particular, uh, you know, you white people don't belong here. You need to go back to Europe. So really, I mean, the entire situation was flipped on its ear. But – what did the members of the media do? Some of them were reasonable, and they backed down. But the the media entities themselves actually doubled down. No, because they're staked. They're already they've already staked their claim. I mean, let me let me be clear. I want to say something about this. I got two hot takes. Rock One, on. this is the perfect example of fake news because you took a non-story, which is people interacting with each other in right. a peaceful this, manner. Specifically, though, an adult and, and teenagers. Children. Yeah, yeah. Adult adult fucking with kids. Then, because the the kids happen to be disproportionately white and and Trump supporters wearing MAGA hats. And the and the and the aggressor, or sorry, the victim, according to the media, yes, yes, was a Native American, which is an oppressed minority, supposedly. They uh, as well as a Vietnam veteran. But it yeah. turns out that he never actually even served at Vietnam. But he's used this racket before to, yeah. to, to fundraise for various causes. Yeah, no, I saw that. And uh, so, piece of so, shit. So they run this whole story about it, and it turns out to all be bullshit. And then, of course, no one issues a retraction or an apology. And then we move into the next media cycle. The second one is, of course, this is what I call liberal hypocrisy. You know, they all hate men until it happens to be a Native American man facing off against. Fucking um, against MAGA hat wearing uh, white teens because now all of a sudden now that now they love this guy and hold him up. Do do liberals give a shit about fucking Native Americans? If they have, they haven't shown it with their policies over the last seventy years. I mean, I mean, who's the liberal? Uh, I mean, what Andrew Andrew fucking Jackson? I mean, fucking the, these the Democratic Party has spent so much effort and gold fucking marginalizing these people and slaughtering them. And now, I mean, the most. People always say, like, you know, who's the most oppressed person in, in America? And people always want to go, oh, blacks. And, and like, actually, it's Native Americans. Uh, these people live in higher levels of poverty, unemployment, and, like, just massive substance abuse problems. They're living on these fucking reservations. And this is what, this is what segregation gets you, for the record. You know, it's just horrible, horrible policies, and I just I don't really enjoy but the liberal But they've policy. already adopted universal basic income, kind of. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Seems to have worked out well. The substance abuse problem is definitely not a result of them having – Limitless financial resources, right? Again, I mean, like, yes, welfare cripples people. There's no doubt. I, I don't, I don't dispute that. Um, but yeah, so that that was just a like you said. I mean, it was the perfect example of fake news. So I thought it was uh, prudent to bring up because I mean, realistically, it's gotten so out of hand. Now there was also there was a subsequent report. Somebody found a, a picture. Uh, of course, it was somewhat compromising. I mean, it, look, I mean, good taste, no, but these are high school kids, and uh, they're at a basketball game, which is, their theme was a blackout game, and so there are kids that are entirely covered in black paint, and they're saying that this is an example of them doing blackface to intimidate their opponents as they come in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a complete bastardization of the facts. Oh, it's hilarious, too, like, like, you go to a minstrel show, you're a fucking racist, but if you go to a trans, if you go to a a fucking, a a drag show, no one says that you're transphobic. I mean, this is the hypocrisy, you know, and, um, Again, to me, blackface is another massive uh, red herring when it comes to race relations and, like, the oppression Olympics in America, especially with respect to Halloween costumes. You know, uh, when Dave, you know, I love it when Dave Chappelle puts on, like, white powder all over himself and pretends to be, like, a, Absolutely. Like a boring Hysterical. white guy. Hysterical. Yeah. would never work in today's day and age, which yeah. is a yeah. fucking travesty people, because it's people, some of the best comedy of people, all time. But when people put the shoe on the other foot, everyone, everybody gets fucking cold feet. Well, absolutely, because that's they're all lot, pussies. That's a, of, that's a lot of foot metaphors. Good. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, I mean, that's that. 
You mentioned something interesting there, though. You said, uh, what did you say? You said um, about the minstrel shows and this and the other. Oh, uh, about the um, drag shows. What do you think about the uh, 11-year-old kid who they put up on the gay bar? Yeah, I mean. Did his own drag show. I don't think 11-year-olds should be in bars. Just putting it out there. Um, Even if you believe in a libertarian paradise, it's probably no place for a child. Uh, the fact that they're trying to brainwash this kid into, like, you know, cutting off his cock at the age of 11 and right. saying, oh, you're, you're, you're clearly transgender. Even if this kid is someone who wants to do uh, drag shows when he grows up because it's good money and he thinks it's fun and it's a really exciting Sure, career. absolutely. Like, uh, I don't begrudge like, him that. You don't put 11-year-olds in that in that environment. And that's not me being, like, socially, like, uh, prude or something like that. I just think yeah. It's just a complete wrong environment for a child. Right. I mean, and look, flourish. it's not even necessarily anything that I think that, like, you know, the individuals that would be I thought it was watching. reprehensible, for the record. I, I, didn't think it was, I didn't think it was good. Yeah, it's totally in bad taste. And then to sit there and also try to, like, you know, hold them up as this being, like, the most progressive event in, like, recent pop culture is, is just – it's – it's unbelievable because I mean it I feel I feel gaslit by that because I you know I'm not necessarily saying that I'm like you know going to stand up and say oh no the, the kids needs to be needs to be protected but I just know what probably is a bad situation to have a child I've been to those shows um they're, I mean, as an adult it's yeah as, as an, an adult. adult and um you know I'm usually with a lot of gay guys it's a really fun night sure but uh you know people are whipping their dicks out right um people are doing all kinds of, like really body yeah men behavior. are gross yeah that's yeah, the, and, that's like, the basic it's just, gist it's just really just not something that 11 year old needs to be witnessing now of course. There, I'm not trying to draw a line. I don't have a problem with 11-year-olds having access to the internet. That's up to the parents to do. Uh, I don't care if they watch rated – I watched rated R films yeah. when I was four years old. I don't consider myself to be a fucked-up individual. But, like, uh, there's different forms of um, – you know, I knew I was watching a movie, for one, when I was watching a movie when I was a kid. I didn't think it was real life. Um, I just don't think it's an appropriate place to bring a child. And um, I just think it's really ridiculous, like, they're trying to brainwash this kid. I mean, there's something really disgusting about it too. I mean, watching an 11 year old in like makeup and drag. It's just yeah. like when I, even when, I mean, this is like even worse than like pageantry. Like when I watch pageantry, even that kind of gives me the willies. When I watch like a five year old dressed like a whore, right? And I'm like, oh, gross. But like, but I understand there's like this history of like of pageantry and like and and and, and you know, these are women parading girls or their daughters. And I'm like, well, if the mom wants to do it to her kid, like uh, even if I think it's in bad taste, like I respect her right to parent in her own way. But like. But I just I think we're comparing apples and oranges in a lot of ways. I, I, it's hard to find a good example because because it's just reprehensible behavior. You shouldn't have eleven year olds in drag shows, especially being brainwashed. Yeah, I mean, look, and I don't think that this is necessarily like even there. You could draw a distinction between the behavior of gay men in a situation that was similar to straight men. You know, as oh, plenty of straight guys. I'm saying all kinds of fucked up shit too when I'm at that show. Right, exactly. So I, I just think I'm that like, it's, it's a slippery kind of slope where you're like, okay, well, look, I mean, we're here for the express purpose of enjoying ourselves, like kind of reveling in the debauchery. And like, I don't necessarily think that we need to be looking at a child in that way. We don't want children at, at a strip club either. I mean, like, yeah, it's just exactly. not, you know, I mean, think about like back in the day when children used to grow up in the whorehouse, like, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know these whores. Hey man, don't bring any personal stories into I'm this. Just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, you, you want to create, how many Don Drapers you want to create? I'm saying like, <laughs> like they're just, we know we have to be open and honest. Like there are more positive and less positive environments for children to be in. And clearly this is on the negative side far to the left. I mean, on a scale of yeah, zero, I mean, if, you're, if scale, scale of zero to 10 with zero being the worst and 10 being like Norway or something, I think this trend show is probably like a one or a two. I mean, it's pretty fucking bad. Well, just generally speaking though, I mean, if you want to, you know, create a, a society of healthy, productive individuals, you can't poison their subconscious in that way i mean the kid is getting all this positive feedback for doing a thing that's not necessarily something that's age appropriate in front of people who don't 
want any part of his. They're not going to be there when right. he's fixed. Exactly. Or it's it's no, complete not. objectification. And no. so it's like you're you're just essentially the same way that you would with a young girl who is getting no. all this like uh, dopamine from you know getting Facebook, Instagram Again, likes. The hypocrisy people... of the left. Real quick. I mean, you you just you just triggered you just triggered me, bro. Oh, like. Oh. If that had been a video of a bunch of straight men at a strip club and they had like a a fourteen year old girl on the pole shaking her little titties and ass, people, the left, the feminist left, the progressive left, the regressive, they all would have been up in arms. Their like, collective the, minds, they would have lost their fucking minds. But because it was a boy, and it was men, and it was transgender, yeah. that makes it somehow empowering and interesting. Yeah. And like, no, this complete fucking nonsense. He's a fucking child. Shouldn't have been there. Yeah, real Disgusting. shame. Real shame. Disgusting hypocrisy. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, I think we're officially going to issue uh, an extradition order for that CFO for uh, Huawei for uh, international espionage for them piggybacking. Yeah, good a luck. Bunch Everybody, of shit. Everybody's trying to take this guy. I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, Canada's doing their own. Everyone's doing their own investigations to Huawei right now because they've all realized that all everyone's everyone every mass communications company is trying to block them from the new. I'm not good with phones. What's the next level? Is it five G? What's coming yep. out? They're trying to exclude China's like main te- telecommunications company from because they realize China's been operating back doors for years and all of this Western media. Uh, and, uh, yeah, everybody is. I mean, well, like you look at Poland. Poland, I think, has been the most proactive so far. I mean, they've basically made it like uh, uh, a complete uh, crime to even have any type of Huawei device near any of their uh, controlled government communications, which is great, I mean, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, China's uh, a hungry see. dog. China and Russia just constantly testing the weaknesses. Yeah, well, I mean, that, what do you expect them to do? You know, I mean, they, they're not necessarily... Cooperate on the world stage and engage in mutually beneficial trade and play by the rules? Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. We've known them to be so uh, so honest in the yeah, past. Yeah, nice. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Uh, teacher strike in L.A. is ending. That's nice. Not sure what type of agreement they reached so i don't really think i'm we sure it wasn't a permanent on one to the to the problem of bad education bad teachers and of course many good teachers not being well paid yeah in our society so i i don't know it's interesting though because i did see something like just quickly i mean i don't really know um if this is like the exception or the rule but i saw that some of the the educators were getting paid as high as one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year because of various like bonuses and things that they were getting well, so i would want to know sure who, exactly what they're complaining I, about. i'd want to know who these people are because here's here's the problem so for example when i was a public school teacher in florida the start was 38 38,600 and it went up to 75,000 with the additional four thousand dollars per year if you had things like a reading endorsement a master's degree doctorate shit like that um but what they had done was the florida legislature had, had frozen pay levels for 10 years so there were people so yes there were good teachers who had been there for 30 years who were already at that $75,000 level incredible teachers including people that some of our listeners might know from Wellington High School like Mr. Machino shout out yeah but um but there were other people like you know myself or, or like I had a friend who worked there for three years and people I met the people that worked there for eight years how much are you making I'm making the same much as you are Alex even though I'm clearly more experienced than you yeah. and i've shown loyalty to this company and like been part of this yeah. you know being part of the school system for eight years and they're still making the same money they were eight years ago which means they were making due to inflation about 15 to 20 percent less than they were even back then so they were poorer than when they started i mean this is completely economically irresponsible and reprehensible and um yeah it, it's, it's not surprising that the teaching has one of the highest rates of what the fuck it is attrition attrition sure, in, in, whatever. in the first three years they all leave because unless you're like unless you're like super dedicated 
or like you're just someone's housewife and like this is like something you do on the side just to keep yourself yeah. busy. There's, it's really hard to live a life like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't necessarily even start to raise a family because then all of a sudden your outcome or your income goes out the window when you have to, you know, take the time away to yeah, I mean, rear they, the child. I would pass a bill tomorrow um, in Florida, for example, and I would raise anybody who, according to the step program, we have the 36 steps. Each year you're supposed to get a $1,500 a year raise unless you fail your, your fucking shit, your, uh, oh, your reviews or whatever they're called. Anyway, so I would back – so if someone had been working for eight years, I'd give them a, whatever, a, a $10,000 raise. And then, and then, of course, every year after that, put people back on schedule. Everyone should get their, their yearly raises if you want to retain talent. And ultimately, you might even have to increase pay because I don't think 38.6 is a strong enough starting salary to bring in talent into that field. It's not. It can't be. I think you have to start at like 50 grand. I think people want to be in the $1,000 a week club. Yeah, well, right, exactly. I mean, like if we're, if we're talking about doing $1,000 a month for universal basic income for not doing a goddamn thing, I mean, I think that like individuals who are attempting to contribute to society should get four even times Even when that. these people fail – and I don't put it on them because I've I've tried before. It's so hard when you're working with, with like a bad administration, bad school system, and more importantly, fucking horrible kids with terrible parents and no values, and and just zero. They have no idea about the like education in and of itself, like learning for learning sake. Sure, you've, I've had people to come to class an hour late without a fucking pencil, and I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah, and then they have a bad attitude about it, too. right? And you have and you have no means to discipline them or try to put them on oh, the right I track. Push the if I push the button, the administrators go, you need to practice, practice uh, classroom management, Alex. I'm like, what, the, what am I supposed to fucking do? I'm, I'm yeah. like, it's, it's, it's... I'll manage a pencil right out of their we're ass. All, we're all... An- <laughs> it's a fucking zoo in here. Like, we're falling apart. Like, there's no order. And um, so that's that. I mean, no, you're going to have to raise pay. And, of course, raise standards, too. I mean, um, but, but that's about it. I mean, we, we, look, we have a crisis of education in this country. And um, it's just another one of those things where... It's not going to be fixed until people have the political willpower to address address the problem head on. Well, that yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is to me though too is like just to your point about raising teacher pay being the first thing. I mean, it, this kind of touches on something we were talking about earlier. How um, I know that when I saw the uh, reports after I think it was this was last year, so this is probably after the 2017 school year, and they were talking about the number of administrators and how that uh, had proportionally increased the positions at a rate three to one over the amount of educators. Not only that, the amount of ed- or the amount of administrators that were making over a hundred thousand dollars a year was like I think doubled and that there were thirty people in the organization that were making over a hundred and sixty thousand I, I know a lot of high quality teachers that switched to administration because the pay is fucking outstanding exorbitant and comparatively oh sure and so and with less responsibility too. Right, but you thin the pool. So like supply yeah. goes down, so what do you do? Yeah. Fucking Let's be clear about something. Like, if you have thirty students to a hundred students, that's thirty to hundred children, future citizens. Whether you're babysitting them or you're teaching them fucking theoretical physics, you got each kid for five to five hours a week. So, I mean, just put the numbers out there. I mean, it's amazing. Taxpayers are willing to pay a fourteen-year-old girl to babysit their baby ten dollars an hour. But they're not willing to pay teachers $10 an hour per kid for fucking instructing them. See, I don't think that's the case, though. I don't necessarily think that the taxpayers aren't willing to pay the money. I think that they're worried that the money is going to go into other areas. I don't mean mean, taxpayers. I I also mean like the representatives in terms of allocating these resources. Okay, sure. But, I mean, how do you get a fair and honest accounting? How do you get people to represent things as they are on the ballots so that you can do that? I mean, like, look at this fucking last uh, cent increase that we took in taxes. Yeah. 
you know, and it, where did that money go? Fifty-two percent of it went to infrastructure upgrades for schools and things like that, because which are great, but it's not. That's a, not where the money's needed because we already have a sieve. I mean, here's the problem. Like you're right. Like so, yeah. fix that, right? How do we do that? How do we fix the sieve? I feel like we're all, here's the problem too. Like I don't want to be too nihilistic, but or fatalistic, but we're already depending on how you look at it, forty to seventy years into a national crisis, and because we've kicked the can down the road for so long. It's kind of like climate change in the sense that, like, it's going to take a lot of radical change and political willpower just to fucking – just. it's like when you're really fucking overweight. I mean, like, to be like, what, what – you know, my father's four, 350 pounds. What can we do to get Robert healthy tomorrow? There's nothing you can tomorrow. do tomorrow. Yeah. But I can put us on a road for a five- to ten-year plan by doing what would be considered very difficult things. Like, in his case, like, no more soda, no more fast food, you know. And like, and then there could be even more radical things like put them on a vegetarian diet, right? But not laced potato chips and diet soda, but like real, sure. real vegetarian, Middle Eastern food. Anyway, so the point is like, I think a lot of problems in our country. I think most of the country's problems in our country are like four hundred pound obese guys who are, who are like stuck in a chair, and people and people often are like, well, what do we do to get this guy walking tomorrow? I'm like, it's, it's imp- there's nothing you can do to do that, but what we can do is start stop. What's the thing when you when you're in a hole, stop digging. Like we gotta stop. We gotta stop the stop. Stop beating the machine. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I just the thing is, is that you you're not gonna get the so, full faith of the electorate until you start to demonstrate that change. And the problem is this: why, this is problem. We don't have reforms in this country either. We do like one. If it, we either do nothing, we dig deeper, or we pass one measure every ten years. That's not how you lose weight either. It's not like you're like oh, if I skip one McDonald's meal, right. that's gonna put me on the no. I mean, you have to do so many things at once. So like, so even when I say things like, okay, starting tomorrow, we're gonna get everyone's pay up to speed and then and then and start make starting pay 50 grand a year that's only one part of the education system there's probably 99 other moving pieces that have to be dealt with from the curriculum to uh the teaching styles to classroom size to uh the most big one that we can never talk about is cultural values i mean like you know i i want to know why i mean it, it really does matter uh you know we got these it, no matter what kind of home they have, it always seems like the the Asian kids and the and the South and the South Asian kids and the Muslim kids and the Jewish kids they always seem to do very well in school, even when they're at bad schools. Why? Maybe they have cultural values that lend that that place importance on achievement and educational attainment, and um, and if if we're not willing to even discuss that, I mean, so much so much education starts in the home. You can predict this is a very alarming statistic. <coughs> You can predict <clears throat> up to like um, something like a ninety to ninety-five percent confidence interval the ultimate educational outcomes of an individual based on how many books are physically present in the house when they're five years old. School people don't even start school till they're six. I mean, so I mean, so much is already decided before you ever take a step in that fucking classroom. Freedom writers teacher or not, and so pe- that means. As uncomfortable as it is, guys, there's just another problem that the government can't actually solve for you that you're going to have to solve yourself. Right. And that requires just – I mean my mom, God bless her. She taught me how to read. I remember sitting on her lap reading Dr. Seuss. I remember the only time I ever cried in my life in K through 12 because of educational problems was I was having trouble with long division. And I just sat there and cried, and I was like, I can't fucking do this. I, I, I can't – you know what you – know, and she's just like – Stop. Just keep trying, and you'll get better at it. Right. And she just kept drilling. She goes, you know, you, you know, she was supportive. She was there for me to teach me. And like, if you don't have a mom, or if you don't, you know, in this yeah. case, like, if I didn't have a father who provided for us, so my mom could stay at home and help right. me with my homework, and my mom gave a shit about these things to begin with. I mean, without that, I mean, you were honestly just fucked. And like, 
And when you grow up to be fucked up and have enough people in your community or in society grow up to be fucked up, you don't get to sit there and then look at the communities that aren't fucked up. And be like, look at the privilege. Look at the Jewish privilege. Right. Look at the white privilege. No, fuck this. I don't want to hear this crap. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's, for example, it's well documented, and this is a, not to get too uh, racialized, but it's well documented in the black community. And I saw it firsthand when I was teaching. Like, um, 25% of my students were Jamaican, 25% of my students were Haitian, the other 50% were, were just black Americans. People were born in this country. You know, the Haitians and the Jamaicans did really well. They, they tried hard in class. And when they did, the regular, uh, regular, the homegrown black kids would, 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 would yell at them and say, oh, yeah. oh, you selling oh, out? You acting white? Tom. Oh, you think? You, like, yeah, all this shit. I'm like, why are you tearing down your classmates, your friends, people of your community for trying to better themselves? So, I mean, cultural values is at the heart of most of the. So, you know, people say, oh, oh, is there discrimination in America? Yeah, self discrimination. I mean, that's all it is. People, people really do sort themselves. For sure, for sure. I mean, you always, I mean, tribalism at its very, like, n- you know, basic impulse is to be a part of something. And if you don't necessarily have it at <clears> home, <throat> you're going to look to your friends. Your friends aren't necessarily going to be good influences if they have the same situation at home. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that I got arrested a couple times skateboarding growing up. And I also got really good grades in school because all my friends were skateboarding and were doing well in school. I mean, like, so, like, you do do what your friends do. Right, right. You know, and, and that's for better and for worse. I mean, I smoked my first cigarette because my friends were smoking cigarettes. But I also tried really hard in school because with my group of friends, uh, which, of course, you were part of later on, was, um, you know, we did compete to be good. I mean, like, it's like, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't getting good grades, yeah. we actually did shit. Like, oh, what are you yeah. fucking retarded? Yeah, what are you retarded? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, so there was a social price right. placed on uh, on academic achievement, even – across our friendship group yeah which is important i mean it's a good lesson to learn early i mean this is why it's a mistake to take out you know like the the scores for example in like uh intramural sports and things like yeah. that i mean you need to be able to have teach kids competition because the world is a, is a dangerous place and it's dark and people are going to step on you if they think that they you can that leg up is going to get them to where they want to be yeah no we're creating a bunch of fucking snowflakes i mean people can't compete people can't lose people can't handle defeat i mean it's it's really terrible yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, let's see if we can dovetail this in with what we were talking about in terms of like revamping education, at least in our county or our state. Uh, what do you think about our new governor? Okay, that's actually good because I wanted to talk about him earlier. Um, so, uh, for those who don't know, Ron DeSantis is the new um, new governor. Um, actually, I'm surprisingly very impressed. I am as well. I was like, I thought this guy was gonna be a fucking moron because I was just like, man, this guy's a trumpeteer. Like and like, he's just well. The, mean, his, the, the his commercials, are, the commercials inter- didn't necessarily do anything to dissuade you of that fact. Well, his either. interviews were bad. I didn't really enjoy his interviews or his debates. I thought he came across as like a fucking blowhard. Luckily, he was debating a moron. Yeah, so that was pretty good for him. But actually, he actually did the thing that everyone wished Trump would do, which is pivot. As soon as he got elected, he hasn't said one fucking ill thing about anybody. He's not tweeting bullshit. He's not fucking mudslinging. He's consolidating his victories. Governing. Governing. He fucking immediately comes out with like two press conferences and he fucking and he, and he immediately unveils as a Republican and a trumpeteer unveils his massive revamping of the of the Everglades to right. fix our water crisis. South Florida Water Management District asking for resignations. Fills, How did you get fills, to this point? Fills any gaps immediately. And anybody who was nominated to their post like a week before fucking uh, Voldemort. What was his name? Uh, Rick Scott. Rick Scott was, Rick Scott was a. Rick, Rick Scott became senator. He said, no, this isn't democratic. He goes, Some of these people may be qualified, but I don't believe that. They have to be approved by the Senate. So he fucking took everyone out. Absolutely. He goes, Anybody who wants to get it has to be fucking approved by the Senate. So he obviously gives somewhat of a shit about constitutional well, law. Well, yeah, you have to assume he does, too. I yeah. mean, he's definitely – he's decorated as a military uh, officer, right? <laughs> Wasn't he JAG or something like that, I think? I don't even so, know. So, I mean, I think he, he respects the rule of law, which is honestly the most important thing that you would – He's governing. He's being, uh, quote-unquote, presidential. 
and he's um he's doing he's doing the fucking job. Right. He's doing it better than he's Rick also Scott. reaching across the table though too. That's the thing yeah. is that it's not necessarily just oh my way or the highway. I mean even it's not necessarily that he's just working within his own you know uh, uh, party lines you know to try mm. to be able to uh, push through or ram through these. <laughs> and you got to be bipartisan in Florida, for sure, mm. for sure. Yeah, no, I mean I think I, honestly I think he's doing a good job. I mean. I'm wait- I mean, like everything else, I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I'm waiting for him to fuck up, but I'm not rooting for it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where the skeletons are. I mean, <laughs> soon enough, but uh, so far everything looks to be pretty good. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm look. Uh, this state is near and dear to my heart. I want I want to fix the water crisis. I mean, what are the big three biggest crises facing Florida? Right, we have a we have an infrastructure problem because our population is exploding. We're the third most populated state, and our population increases by two thousand people a day or something like that. Right, and anyone who's been on ninety five their whole life knows that from one lane to four lanes, it doesn't matter now. It's permanently – now rush hour is from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. always. Yeah. Yep. And so um, so we have an infrastructure problem. We have a clean water problem because we've destroyed the Everglades from irresponsible development and bad management for the last 50 fucking years. Yeah, with too much pork barreling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, of course, there's always like the crime issue, right? Florida does have a gang issue. But I don't I don't think of it that way. Um, that's not like my, my biggest priorities. My biggest priority is like just uh, focusing on the um, – well, yeah, I mean the environment and um, and whatever, and just the, these these um, well these government agencies like you know with the with the infrastructure projects. I mean he's 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 going full speed ahead, and he's he's uh, the point is he's governing. I mean like, Flo- like Rick Scott used to say Florida's open for business, and he he did what he could economically speaking, but governing wise, I didn't really I didn't really see the progress that I wanted to see. Well, it was also problematic too because he wasn't really readily like he wasn't ready to reach across the aisle. I mean, he he no. definitely was like a a party line guy who was going to say like, "Look, this I have ambitions that are higher than this office, mm. and so I'm going to do what it takes to be to, get to, to the next office." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, anyone who retires from government and becomes a senator, you know what they want? They want the presidency. I mean, these people are fucking power hungry fucks, and I wouldn't absolutely. vote for Rick Scott. No, but, absolutely mm-hmm. not. But I tell you what, in order to I guess stir things up a little bit. I mean, I wasn't ready to vote for Bill Nelson again. So no, fuck no. I mean, no. that's an empty suit. No, yeah, I, the, the commercials hit the years? nail on the head. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just to what we touched on earlier. I mean, like no. you cannot be. Oh, actually, did, I don't even know if that made it into the main podcast because I think that might have been during our period where we thought we were going, but we weren't. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? But in any case, um, yeah, we we <laughs> briefly were talking about the fact that, like, I mean, you can't expect to be. A, a a statesman, a long-term politician who really has just kind of towed the line in order to stay in office and expect to to make it in this day and, and age. And also, we want we don't we. I mean, like we said in the first podcast, I want I want term limits. Everything should be single term, uh, because that way I don't ever want to hear anyone talk about reelection again. Increase the terms by fifty percent, make them single terms. Done. President, statesman, I don't give a fuck. Everybody's here to do their job, public service. You're not here right. to fucking have the world's best job and get all these benefits and make b- millions of dollars for the rest of your life. Yeah, and then com- if you ever get kicked out, then become a lobbyist. Right. Fuck you. And instead of instead of complaining about the efficiencies of big corporations and how they like step on the little guys, why don't we make the politicians essentially audition for jobs just the same way? You yeah, want to I mean, be CEO? Well, okay, very, show us what you got. No, Either that very, or you're out. Well, yeah, it's a very technocratic, meritocratic way of looking at the world, and I agree with it to be honest. So. So yeah, that's that. I mean, so yeah, I think I think the Sands is doing a good job. Big fan, big fan. Not even a fan, just you know, I I, I give I no give big credit. fan of him doing a good oh, job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I don't give a shit about him yeah. or his politics or his personality. I like really. his fucking face, but I do like <laughs> what comes out of it. No, but yeah, so I mean, that's the way. I mean, to be honest, like when I do see his face, I'm like, <laughs> kind of looks like a cheeseburger that I just want to punch. Totally. But I, but I like, but but like I said, I mean, he's governing, and um, you know, he's govern and he's governing quietly. Um, he's he's being very transparent. He's giving public conferences and he's and he's doing everything, but he's not. 
I don't know. It's not about him. It doesn't seem like he's not. He's not. It's not. There's no self promotion. There's no mudslinging. There's no bullshit. Right. Considering he comes from the right side, it's it's interesting to see, or or at least to say that he's governing a little bit, kind of like Teddy Roosevelt would. You know, like this is a man of the people, and he's willing to sit there and maybe make some mistakes, but he's going to get dirty right off the bat, which That's is good. Sure. So. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm done with news stories. So where do we go from here? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I mean, we got we got uh, freaking the entire lay of the land. Okay, well, there was you, some... I was going to say, you had brought something up to me earlier off mic. Why don't you go ahead and let's... Okay, uh, I'll bring this up. So I wrote this down in my notes. So as you know, in the first podcast, I think I was a little excited, and I... Not that I had too many beers, but I was just... At the end of the night, I just I couldn't keep my head straight. And um, I brought up Aristotle, and I, we were talking about, like, you know, a gut, when he was instructing um, Alexander the Great, you know, how do I know what a good dog is? A good dog is a dog does dog things well. A good human, therefore, a human does human things well, and that means learning. But what I want to get to then is he has, how he pivoted to ethics, and I wrote this down. Aristotelian ethics is the true goodness lies at the midpoint between deficiency and excess. What do I mean by that? For example, take any desirable trait, such as courage. Well, it's not courageous. Everyone always knows deficiency. Because the problem is in the West, we always think of things as the opposite because of Western thinking. I, I touched on this last time. So people think courage is the opposite of, of the extreme, the opposite of courage, which is cowardice, which is, you know, it's true that cowardice is, is a deficiency, and, and we don't want people to lock themselves in a room surrounded by mattresses all day. But if someone jumps off a bridge without a parachute, they're not brave. They're fucking stupid. They're reckless. Right. And so this is what I try to talk about. Courage is between the deficiency of cowardice and the excess of recklessness. Charity is between never supporting any causes, which would be deficiency, and between the excess of, you know, these people that give away everything they own so they're just homeless and they can't even buy their next meal. You know, this, this goes along with a lot of different traits. And ultimately because we have a two-party system and Western thinking is very black and white and dichromatic as opposed to like more like the Asian side with the yin-yang, a little bit of good in every bad, a little bit of bad of every good, people, people get often very confused. And we have these, these stupid polarizing positions that we're like – and it's not that the Republican Party is always the party of deficiency and the, and the Democratic Party is always the party of excess because they do switch sometimes. But always one party is going to pick deficiency and the other party is going to pick excess. Think about drug prohibition. Think about, think about um, even like minority rights. It's always, it's always an extreme position. It's always – you don't care – you either have to care about everything and everybody or, 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 or you're saying like fuck everybody and everything. And like I don't think life has to be that way. I think you can find – reasonable positions to stake out in the center whether it's left center or right center for a lot of these a lot of these problems we have in society yeah absolutely i mean even if you look at it just from an economic perspective and not necessarily like a cultural one i mean anytime that you're trying to like build a business i mean you need a business to scale you have to start somewhere and it's yeah. it's, it's a very rare thing maybe less rare now with technology being what it is but i mean you're not going to fucking lightning doesn't always strike right sometimes you have to work hard get your hands dirty and then as you're able to you know build up and so in terms of nuance right in uh, in a political sphere or an ideological sphere you can't be willing to just say oh no 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 this isn't good enough this isn't where i need to be in order to get where i want to go i mean these are baby steps and so you again stake out a position find find a niche and go for it for sure and if you have to modify your position because you realize maybe you picked too liberal, too conservative position, or too authoritarian, or too libertarian of a position, whatever it may be, then move. Yeah, that's not a sign of weakness. And just, and, but, but like, and if you're smart, 
acknowledge it openly and honestly and right. say, you know what, these policies haven't really worked. I think we should try this idea now and see if this works. And, you know, real people are willing to do that. Yeah, and that should be lauded, though. That shouldn't necessarily be something that's criticized. I mean, the oh, ability— Oh, you're a flip-flopper. Yeah, the, yeah, right, exactly, exactly. I mean, you'd be accused of demagoguery. I mean, the idea is that you have to be rigid and, mo- and a monolith is, is, is outdated. I mean, that's that was something for a time of— an age where information wasn't as readily accessible because anybody with a fucking computer can see that you've just been trying to pull the wool over your uh, the, the eyes of your constituents. So why not just be a reasonable arbiter of the truth and say, look, this is what we know now. This is why it's different. This is what we tried. And, you know, imagine, you have – Imagine if people live – I'm sorry. I'm just having like this thought. That's fine. Imagine if like the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists lived for 300 years. Imagine how their positions might have evolved, the Founding Fathers, over time, given how the world changed and how the country changed over time. I'm, I'm just thinking about that. Like, like imagine if people could live long enough to see how much their positions could change over time. It's just a thought experiment. In my sure. Mind. Well, you know what's interesting about that, though, is that I'm not so sure that their respective positions would have changed so much. I mean, I definitely understand or, 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 or would think that they would have evolved somewhat, but they probably still would hold fast to their, like, first principles. I mean, it's not— yeah. I think the the major criticism that they would have, though, would be that so many things have inf- infected the system that they, sh- you know, were striving to build and and have really kind of like corrupted it from within, and that's why we're at a place where we're at. Even first principles can change if they have deeper uh, ideological underpinnings. Like, for example, a religious person can become an atheist, or an atheist become a religious person, but they might still feel that they're being true to themselves because they're following the path. What maybe they'll say like love or yeah, or, reason or, or, or reason what right. they've reasoned to themselves. And um, and so, you know, I would never call someone who used to be religious or an atheist a hypocrite. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's right. not how that's not how thinking works. Yeah. Nor nor would I sit there and all of a sudden, you know, my like personal convictions aside, would I say, oh, you're doing the right thing? I mean, like the idea is that, like, I mean, you're on a personal journey, and you know, I applaud. The... If you're lucky, you got eighty years. Yeah. And, and, and like, and so there's a lot to explore. So yeah, if I'm keep the, moving. If I mean, <laughs> I mean, kind of, you know, not to be too morbid, but actually. A one-year-old and an eighty-year-old with with Alzheimer's or dementia actually are probably the same person because they don't think anything for sure. But uh, right. but in between, I feel like there's a lot of room for growth and, and and evolution. And I mean, I'm certainly not the same person I was when I was 15. Jesus Christ! Oh, I definitively. I mean, I <laughs> could tell you the same thing. I mean, it, it, this is this is. And I'm 30 now. I'm just like put out there. Oh God, you old fuck! <laughs> I, I turned 30 over the break. Anyway, no, sorry, but yeah, I mean, people people gotta evolve. Um, and who knows what I'll be. 15 years from now. Well, you know what they say, a rolling stone gathers no moss, right? So yeah. might as well uh, keep on keeping on. And an island never cries. Has nothing to do with it. <laughs> maybe, maybe think of that line. <laughs> well, it sounds good. <laughs> you got any more uh, Aristotelian principles for us? Or maybe it's, no, a rock, a rock feels no, yeah, a rock feels no pain, island never cries. Sorry, I was thinking about that song. But anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for, but you know, you brought up a good thing to segue into, which is first principles, because that's something that doesn't actually happen. I think a lot of people may not even know that they even have first principles or, or the importance of them. Um, you know, how you, this could lead down a lot of into philosophical rabbit holes. So I'm going to be try, I'm going to try to be careful. But like when it comes to first principles, for example, like when I look at the world, ultimately, I see a, a few things, right? You know, I go like, OK, it's a physical universe. Um, so I do believe there's a there there. I mean, I feel like we're actually existing. I believe in existentialism. Um, when it comes to the God question, I'm, I'm not, I'm not religious in that respect. You can call me an atheist. That's fine with me. 
I have a very like scientific rational worldview. That doesn't mean that you can't be have a scientific rash, rational worldview and be religious. I'm just saying this is where my life has taken me. Um, when it comes to things like um, how people make decisions, you know, if you read a lot of philosophy, you know, you have things like free will, or or and then you have the opposite like determinism. I I tend to be a hard determinist. These these fundamental principles guide me for like how I think about the world, and um. And they help organize my thoughts because otherwise when I tackle every issue, I, I'm, I'm more or less like a balloon where you let go of the bottom and the wind because I don't know wh which way I'm going to go. When you have first principles, it allows you to like, okay, it, it really does contextualize. Like, I, I guess one way to put an example of it, I'll probably get a lot of hot water for this, but when I think about something like Islamic terrorism, for example, when I go, um, why are people blowing themselves up in the name of God? Well, I go, well, it's because they actually – if it's because I actually believe that they believe what they say. You know, right. I think they believe that they're going to go to heaven if they kill innocent people. You know, so I try to avoid saying things like, oh, I mean, we say it sometimes naturally because of how language works. Oh, look, these crazy, look at these crazy fucking people blowing themselves up, you know. But what Sam Harris often says, like, no, these are very rational people. If you believe that there's a God and you believe this particular God promises you paradise for killing uh, infidels, then it makes all the sense in the world to kill innocent people. Absolutely. And so and it, you're not going to be able to solve the problem of Islamic terrorism if you just don't even acknowledge people's motivations, you say, oh, you know, they're, they're, nobody's actually religious. Nobody actually believes what they say they believe. Uh, you know, they're just, they're, just, they're just doing this for, for because they have, let's say, like, real-life grievances. Like, uh, you know, they're oppressed or, or you know. Right, to think that it's a sociopolitical commentary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it really does help to have first person. Now, on that note, real quick, I have to go to the restroom, so I'm going to leave you with Andrew by himself. Oh, the sweet, sweet sounds of Andrew in the evening. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to table that conversation that we were just about to get into, but, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, we'll talk about some more current events just to pass the time. Um, you know, I mean, realistically, uh, I've, I've got a lot of feelings on the current state of affairs with the uh, federal government being at a standstill and you've got 800,000 some odd workers, uh, you know, that are, that are going to work without paychecks or just furloughed generally because, uh, you know, we can't get our shit together about whether or not it is morally correct to spend $5 billion to protect our southern border, which, I mean, that whole concept in and of itself needs to be examined because I don't think that there's a reasonable or rational person that would tell you that you shouldn't do what it takes to protect your way of life and the people that you care about. But because, you know, these aren't necessarily citizens of this nation, uh, you know, you act like they're basically personas non grata which i don't think that's fair either i mean these are obviously people that are attempting to you know flee a situation that is far worse than anything that we who are citizens or who have been here our entire lives have had to deal with and i don't begrudge them wanting to find something better for their uh themselves and their kin but i think that there's an avenue for that and i don't necessarily know that we should be uh treating this issue as a political football when our own citizens are suffering as much or more than the individuals that we are attempting to, you know, kind of other. And maybe that's not necessarily entirely consistent with some of the other things that I've said, but I've made peace with that. Um, I'd really like to see the government reopened, as painful as that is to say, but it's not necessarily because I believe that this is an issue that we should compromise on, but it's definitely an issue that we need to resolve sooner rather than later so that we can start to work on solutions for the myriad other problems that we have and try to avoid, you know, whatever the next calamity is going to be. I was just riffing a bit on the border wall. That's something that we didn't necessarily get to talk about yet. 
Let's um, talk about the wall. The wall's a perfect fucking conversational fodder. So, okay. Well, before we jump into that, just to wrap up what you were just saying, did you have any other thoughts to add? No, I mean, I was just, you know, this is the thing. When, you, when you're doing, like, unscripted podcasts like this, I'm kind of just, like, shooting from the hip. But, like, I'm just trying to get the first, like, first principles are, like, the basic underpinnings for, like, how you, how you view everything. And um, I wouldn't even consider libertarianism, for example, to be a first principle. Libertarianism is not a first principle because it's not really um, – there is an aspect of libertarianism that I do believe is kind of like – I wouldn't even call it a first principle. But like, for example, live and let live, and people should be left alone as much as they can to their own devices as long as they don't infringe upon life or property of other people. Right. And so, so that means people can do whatever they want except pollute, kill, murder, and steal. Sure. You know, it wouldn't necessarily be something I consider a foundational element, obviously. I mean, we can yeah. go even deeper to property rights, et cetera. But, like, the idea that, you know, people fundamentally should be left to their own devices as long as they don't infringe on others is, is about as close as you can get. Yeah. So, so these – I think a lot of people need to um, – I'm not here to, to – to preach the gospel or anything like that. I mean, people. Well, we um, kind of are, so that's no, okay. No, I mean, but I mean, like, allow I, yourself that well, latitude. Well, 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 I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into debates about religion later on. Um, I don't know specifically religious beliefs, but I don't want to like needlessly alienate people on podcast number two by challenging the most fundamental precepts about the universe. You know, because if I if I come out here right now and I say something about atheism or or determinism or like you know you don't have free will or something like that, people are going to just stop. People are going to immediately stop listening. It's going to take hours to explain. So. But uh, but what I'm saying is like uh, people need to think about their first principles, and there's a lot of books out there that you can read. Um, everyone knows, you know, your choices about religion and um and all and the myriad of scientific literature surrounding that topic. But when it comes to like, if you're interested about determinism and what I'm talking about, I highly recommend reading the book Free Will by Sam Harris. It's 13,000 words. That's only 52 pages. It's the most important book I ever read. And as someone who's very financially successful and also I feel like personally successful in my life. I think I owe a lot of that success to that book. That book really put me on the path to success. So I recommend everyone reads it. You know, so absolutely that. shameless plug. We know that uh, Sam has uh, left the Patreon platform uh, some time ago, and that uh, as we have too, because we want to have complete exactly, exactly. Control. We're we're yeah, we're 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 no subjects here. We're we're free thinking individuals, and we're gonna you know play it out in the public sphere. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, you can uh, support the podcast. By sending Shiner Box yes, exactly. directly to yes. Greenway Will, Village. Will work for Hooch. Yeah, bring beer. Or if you want to be a guest. And, and by the way, I want to say, like, you know, we appreciate all the comments. They're very helpful. And um, we take them under you know, strict advisement. So please yeah, do absolutely. comment. Thank you I mean, this, yeah, this is not a closed system here. We're, we're more than happy to introduce any type mm-hmm. of uh, randomness into your, you know. Uh, okay, all right. So let's, uh, let's move on. So border wall. Okay, I was kind of briefly laying it out, basically saying that, like, look, while I think that we have a duty to protect our citizens, uh, I understand that the strife and the plight of the people that are fleeing their respective countries are experiencing, and I think that that is a noble endeavor, and I don't think that the issue is so simple as to suggest that they are the other and that we need to close ourselves off from them, but that we need to do what is best by our citizens first, and that starts with Funding the wall, if only, to reopen the government and start to get these people their paychecks because American citizens are suffering. 
I mean, needlessly. It's not like the United States doesn't have fifty-four billion dollars to waste. We waste more. We waste it's five billion. We waste five billion. You're an order of magnitude large. No, I thought to fund the entire wall was was. It's twenty-three, but all they're asking. Yeah, for, but it's a government project. You know, it's good. All they're asking for is five. That's what they're asking for. I five point seven. Eleven hours of federal spending. Fair enough. Look, let's be clear about a couple things. Um, one, there was a funny meme today. Um, the, <laughs> oh, a funny the, meme. Right. Share. So the meme was like, um, so the first meme, the original meme was a Trump supporting goes, it's nice to see uh, liberals get upset about Trump asking for $50 billion in defense spending. Defense spending here is code for, for the wall. And then um, when, when they're happy to spend $75 billion a year funding Bernie Sanders' free college education for all every year in perpetuity. Now, of course, then some fun, funny liberal writes back, it's funny to see my wife get mad at my $50 samurai store when she spends $75 a week on groceries. Now, good. Don't get me wrong. That's a good comeback, and I think it's funny, and I like that type of political banter. But these, of course, are, are analogies, and so yeah. they're not perfect. Yeah. Um, here's how I feel about a wall. Okay, so, one, even if the purpose of a – the problem to me is, one – a wall doesn't even solve the problem of illegal immigration because 50% of illegal immigrants, including all my illegal immigrant friends, they all came on an airplane and they just never right. came back. Yeah, they, come, they, say they're go- they say they're going to Disney World. They don't go back and they stay here and they stay forever or until they get caught. And most of them are, contribute a lot to the society. Are they breaking the law? Are they criminals because they're breaking the law? Yes, they're criminals in the sense that they're breaking the law. I don't dispute that. But let's be clear. If we made it illegal to swim, all fish would be criminals too. Now, again, analogies. So let's move forward. It's an imperfect system. So Yeah, so <laughs> – so one of the reasons I believe we have a lot of illegal immigration is because – not because we don't have a lot of legal immigration. We do. We admit more legal immigrants than any country in the world, one million per year. I think that's amazing. However, I think – I honestly think we could increase that number. And, but, but to me, the problem isn't – to me, the more is the problem is who we're taking in. Now, I've said things about Hispanic immigrants on this podcast before. When you go to any street corner, you'll see a white guy and a black guy begging. Usually one guy's the white guy is a drug addict, and the black guy, I don't know, is – they don't, you know, the white guy's always like a 25-year-old heroin addict, and the black guy's like a 55-year-old guy who's probably down his luck or an alcoholic or lazy. And, um, and then you have a Hispanic woman who's fresh off the boat selling roses, supporting herself. So let me be clear. His, most of our immigrants are Hispanic immigrants. Hispanic immigrants rock in the sense that economically they're great unto themselves. They work. They're self-sufficient. I think they have strong family values for the most part. And um, now granted, I'm from Florida. I don't know what it's like to live on the – the, the border region of the southwest part of the United States. But let's be clear. Most of that crime is from the war on drugs. It's not because there's something inherently criminal about Hispanics. Right. Um, now, anyway. Now, fair enough. As far as the um, people coming on planes, yes. Just because half the people come on planes and half the people come by land doesn't mean you shouldn't solve half the problem. If building a border wall would solve half the problem, that's still a solution worth pursuing. So I'm open to that idea. Well, this is like the this is the logic that uh, Pelosi was using, or at yeah. least the, the the kind we should reject, which is she said – she's like, if we build a wall, they'll just build tunnels. It's like, where are you going with that? Yeah, so we should not do anything because because people are going to break the law regardless. We shouldn't even have laws because people are going to break the laws. But that being said, we say the opposite as libertarians when it comes to things like – like here's the thing. He's like, look, I don't think gun laws work. I don't think drug laws work. I don't think there's any <laughs> – Congratulations right- to drugs for winning the war on drugs. drugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, drugs won the war on drugs. That's a great one. Um, I don't think people are going to stop trying to come to what I would argue is one of the greatest countries on earth um, just because of the laws. They're going to keep coming. So I think, again, I have to take it back a step. I mean, you have to understand, we give 100,000 visas to every country on earth every year, whether the country is 
the country of Iceland, which has 300,000 people, or the country of China, which has a billion people. Now, out of the 100,000 visas, if they are granted, 87% or 87,000 go to people who already have family here, which is the chain migration problem. You know, Just because I want you here as a 35-year-old programmer doesn't mean I want your fucking grandmother. No offense to her. She's not useful. I'm sure she's sweet. Yeah, she's not sweet, but it's makes just him, not... It makes a mean borscht. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, the last 13,000 are given to people that are actually, quote-unquote, inherently useful like based on a point system you know like oh i'm a young programmer or i'm a, I'm the next fucking atom bomb designer you're gonna, you're gonna need me and they'll bring you in especially wow. for the space force space force so i think we need to completely rework our legal immigration system but yes i understand the idea that you can't rework the legal immigration system until you fix the illegal immigration problem um Look, you want to build a wall, be my guest, but it's got to be – it's got to have enough money. I was never one of these people like, build the fucking wall because, again, I just – I don't I, – especially like growing up in Florida and like – and um, being libertarian. To me, the biggest thing is like are immigrants the biggest source of problems in America or are they less? I think native-born Americans you know, are, are, are present a, a greater existential threat to America than um, – Insofar as? Than fruit pickers that swim across a river to go pick fruits for $5 an hour. Now – for the record, I empathize deeply. I feel like most politicians are very dishonest, though, because for the longest time, especially for like 50 years, both corporate Democrats and, and, uh, and like country club Republicans have more or less been making money off cheap labor. And um, they, love, they love illegal immigration because you can pay these people less to work harder. And who is this penalized? People, obviously, like poor rednecks and poor black folk that don't have high school diplomas or just have high school diplomas because now they can no longer get a job picking fruit for $15 because the Mexican's going to do it for 10 and he's going to work without any benefits and he's going to work under the table. So, so that's that. I mean, like if you're going to, if you're going to promote libertarian ideas of open borders and free movement of labor, which I do think are noble pursuits in and of themselves, you have to be willing to at least admit that while it benefits the economy as a whole, it, it disproportionately negatively impacts low skilled labor. Uh, and, and everybody wants labor costs. I mean, Democrats are always talking about, they want labor costs to go up. Let's raise them in wage. The reason the minimum the reason the minimum wage in and of itself from the the market minimum wage has not gone up is because we've been importing cheap labor right for absolutely fucking, since the inception of the country but particularly well even even and it, you know here's years. the thing though is it's not necessarily just unskilled wages that haven't gone up I mean it's also mm-hmm. like skilled wages I mean like look at the engineering technology sector things like that I mean like there's a concerted effort on the part of like these think tanks that are funded by various special interests well, whatever yeah. Chinese people yeah. exactly yeah for the H one Bs and everything like that. And, yeah of course and, and they'll work and look. I I don't necessarily think that there's a huge issue with that, provided that we're making sure that we can take care of those people that are at home, too. I mean, like, there has to be some sort of compensatory action for those individuals that are that are suffering. There's also a problem, though, with the wall, uh, logistically speaking, which is uh, not because of fucking people digging tunnels. I mean, Israel can d- deal with tunnels, so can America. And we have tunnels already right now. Sure. Like, right. you know, for the drug smugglers and stuff. Um, well. The problem is, um, you know, a lot of the border goes through a lot of private land too, and a lot of these people refuse to sell as well. You have to like really put, put yeah. Up, there's an eminent domain. There's problem. an eminent domain yeah. issue. Um, look, if yeah, look, if there's a will, there's a way, and I do support the democratic process. If the majority of people want it, and the majority of representatives are willing to do it, and it's for the best of the country, all three of those, then yeah, let's fucking let's fucking do it. But I'm never gonna like get my dick is never gonna get hard talking about a wall because it doesn't do it for me. Like um. We, to me, like, the real problems in America are already here. Like, it's – let me be clear also. Like, the problem with, with my perspective is that it's also based – it's based on my life. Like, I've been to a lot of other countries, countries that have just sh- the world's shittiest fucking immigrants. Like, whether they're, like – whether it's, like, in, um, 
in Iceland where like uh, they have 300,000 people and 30,000 are foreigners and, and out of 30,000, 23,000 are, are Polish people. Now, granted, these Polish people work, but they don't assimilate. They don't learn Icelandic and they have no interest. They say, I'm just here to make money and I send all my money home. By the way, that's their prerogative. If, if Icelandic people don't want to work those jobs and Icelandic employers want to pay them to do those jobs and these jobs need to be done, somebody's got to fucking do them. But then I go to even more to war worse. You go to like mainland Europe where you have like the, the immigration crisis. And I'm not talking about like the recent like like Arab immigration crisis or North African immigration. I'm talking about like 70 years of social Democrats destroying Europe by just like opening the floodgates from fucking Africa and the Middle East. And guess what? All these people came. And nobody, and not even that, those countries. I mean, like Pakistani prom in uh, fucking the United Kingdom. All these people came, and they haven't assimilated, or even worse, the uh, the untold threat. Where like the third generation, like their grandkids, are actually the par- the people that came assimilated, but their great grandkids didn't fucking assimilate right. because of the because the current identity politics uh, crisis right, yeah. in, in the West. You know, you, you know, when you import somebody, you're not just importing that person; you're importing their lineage for the rest of eternity. And so, it's a big. It's a big risk when you take people in. And, like, I just came back from Europe, and as far as I was concerned, Denmark and Sweden are fucked and destroyed, and I would never want to live in those fucking countries. And I would never recommend anyone to live in those countries because of how horrible they are, socially speaking, because of the social strife. When I look to America, people like Hispanics. Go figure, because they work and they assimilate. They learn English. We eat their food. We date each other's boyfriends and girlfriends. I mean, if, like, these, to me, Hispanics are about as close to an ideal immigrant as you're going to get in terms of in mass immigration. Right. But, of course, it doesn't mean we can take an unlimited amount of them. Well, I'm not stupid. Know, well, there's also – I mean, we have to – you have to give some deference to the people that want to come in here legally. I mean, like, the, just the fact that, like, the, some of these individuals are willing to observe the laws of the land that they're attempting to come into, I think those – that makes them more qualified to be sure. here. I don't dispute that. Right, and so, like, that that's kind of where I draw the line. Is but like, you know I think we have there's character year, issues. But we have a 20-year waiting list on, like – I understand that. And so my contention is that, look – Would you we're wait not, 20 years for your children? No, you wouldn't. You'd break the law. I well, think. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't I'm know not, what I would do. I'm not you know, it's, it's, it's hard. No, it's, it's an appeal to, to it's an appeal to emotion argument. I, I just had to throw it out there in the sense that I know I would break the law. I know I would come to America legally if that's what it meant to be in America. Yeah, you know, I mean, here's the thing though: is that I also don't think that a person like you would necessarily put yourself in a situation where you'd already have. Kids I wouldn't swim across the river. Right, so like, this is what I, I'm saying: yeah, is man. like it's a, it's a look. Let me put it this way: so Honduras and El Salvador and Haiti are fucking shitholes. Just like Trump said, I don't know why anyone would ever dispute that. They have high rates of HIV, super high rates of violence and murder, non, non-functioning economies, non-functioning democracies, non-functioning fucking societies. So I don't blame these people for fucking marching north. Now, of course, these people are fucking assholes when they get to Mexico, and they which is you know southern Mexico, not northern Mexico where all the crime is. But they're in southern Mexico. The whole point of being a refugee is that you know you want to be once you get to the once you get to the next country that's safe, you're supposed to. You're supposed to stop, but no. What now you have is you have refugees picking their countries. They say, "Oh, well, I don't want to live in Mexico. I want to move to America because they have better welfare and they have way better opportunities." That may be true, but if you're really actually fleeing violence, you're no longer a refugee. Then you're just an immigrant. Yeah, you're you're just a migrant at that point. You you might have been Honduras, a Honduran who goes to Mexico is a refugee, as far as I'm concerned. Once he gets to Mexico and he tries to come to America, now he's an economic migrant. And I feel like that nuance right there is never talked on the news. It's either they're one, either you're either you're either one or the other. And no, people can change because once they get to a safe country, they've lost the right to to right now. If they really want to apply for asylum, they could have done it at the fucking U.S. embassy in those countries. But I get it. People are desperate. People flee. I'm not. I'm not unsympathetic to the plight of these people. <coughs> and I do believe most of them. We do just fine in America, but we do have the right to enforce our borders. And if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. And so I totally recognize all that. But um, 
it, to me, it's just amazing that Trump won on the slogan. I mean, he didn't win on the slogan. Again, one of the contributing factors to his win was like the, the magnetic power of the slogan, build the wall. Absolutely. And I feel like that carried – I'm not going to do what the liberals did. Like, oh, everyone who says, says that is xenophobic. It's Bullshit. Dope. Yeah. But, like, but there is like an aspect of it that clearly to me seems um, – that seems to flirt with the idea of like an us versus them. Like there's this brown horde coming and like – and um. And again, this is not because I'm saying Hispanics are not white. There are white Hispanics, there are black Hispanics. The vast majority are not, but but that is what it is. But those aren't the people that are coming. The people that are coming is the brown horde, as uh, Ann Coulter likes to fucking say, you know, the brownie of America. And um, <laughs> but I don't. But again, I don't lose the sleep. Ice o- box of America. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Lo- I don't lose sleep over these people. But, but yeah, you have to. You have you have to uh, you have to enforce your your borders again. I feel like. In the world I want to create, we would revamp legal immigration so well Absolutely. that we wouldn't even have this illegal immigration problem. And of course, even if I was building a country from scratch, I would have. The problem is the wall should have been there a hundred years ago. Right. Um, it's a little late to be building now, but we should still. If you got to build it, you got to fucking build it. But but again, well, I'm if thinking, it, this I'm is like we're in debt, right? Do we have this money? But do we? The question is, do we have the money to not build it? Also, like it costs money to not have a wall. Right. Well, and then also, I mean, just what we're sacrificing in terms of faith in in the system itself, where you have a bunch of people who are again. I mean, we talked about it last people time. People have the like, right to grow up in their community, and if their community gets overrun and inundated right. by different people from them who don't – Yeah, who, the government who are, is no longer serving yeah, them. Yeah, they're feeling like – they feel like they don't – I mean, this is how you have populism. So, yeah, actually, I do believe the government has a responsibility to those constituents as well. And, yeah, you got to enforce the border. But, like, there's a reason why the border has never been properly funded. It's because the establishment, Democrats and Republicans, have benefited, myself included, from cheap labor. Sure. My workforce in my company is immigrant labor. Right. I mean – no shit. Americans don't want to do the fucking job. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, though, either. I mean, I think that, like, again, we're, we're talking about there's there's a there's a distinction between a, a legal yeah. immigrant and an illegal immigrant. And well, some people are just anti-immigrant, period, for the record, but yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, and those aren't the people that we're talking about. I, the, the reason why I brought it up is because I just thought that it was, like, an interesting kind of, like, it's a, it's a really poor hill to choose to die on, regardless of what party affiliation yeah, you have. Yeah, they should just build the fucking wall. And if yeah. it's a mistake, it'll just fall into disrepair, and it's only $55 billion or whatever billions it is down the toilet. Right. But, like, but yeah, but, but that, that has to be coupled with also immigration reform, a path to citizenship for the people. Here's the thing. I'm a deal maker myself. Right. Let's play ball. Yeah, sure. The right wants a wall? Okay, let's build the wall. And in exchange, I want legal immigration reform. Right. I Which want, is actually something that I they want put path, on the table. I want a path to citizenship for the undocumented that are already here. And you can put whatever you want. You can put a $5,000 fine, a 10-year waiting list. But whatever it is, there has to be a path. Right. And it, and, and, and it has to be a bifurcated path. If you came here before the age of 18, uh, then then I'm going to expect, expect an ex- expedited path. Because 18-year-olds, I don't want them sitting around looking for things to commit crimes because they're bored because they can't get a job because they're legal. Right. they got to have work papers. And then the last one is going to be we're going to have to have an e-verify system for the airports because ultimately that's what I have. All my friends that are illegal immigrants, they all come on planes, and they don't leave. And they only get caught when they get arrested. Right, for sure. Yeah. So shout out to my good friend Piha who now lives in back in Quito, Ecuador. He's done really well for himself, by the way. I think getting deported was the best thing that happened to him. Probably not the best thing to say. He lives here. Remember this kid, Francisco? I totally he, remember him. Yeah. So legal immigrant from Ecuador. lived with me in high school. Um you know, great guy too. By the way, I mean, this is this is the thing is that like yeah. most of these guys are not the the criminals that the, the one yeah. one I'm, side would lead I you met to believe. Him when, man, this kid came here when he was fourteen years old by himself to to for the American dream. Was living by him, living first he was living on the streets, then he was living in like an apartment with like ten other Hispanic kids in a one bedroom apartment. I found him there. I was like, dude, 
And I felt so bad. It was like it was like the worst kind of like rich guilt. And I was like, you should come live with me. I live in like a 10-bedroom house by myself. My family's <laughs> divorced. My dad leaves me at this house. And, and so he did. And we had a great time. And then he went to college. And then he got caught smoking weed and got deported. And, uh, but because he had learned English and enough about Americans while he was here, he became a tour guide in Ecuador. He knew exactly what to say to Americans that show him a good time because he himself at that point was more or less American after spending five years in the country. He fucking he, – um, he made a lot of money. And these Americans, they, they'd give him like $50 tips in a country where people make 300 to $400 a month. And, like, and he would get like these $50 tips every day. Saved up enough money, build a rock climbing wall. If you ever go to Quito, Ecuador, go to, go to La Cancha. It's in Quito, Ecuador. It's the only rock climbing gym in Ecuador. And tell them, Alex Neb sent you, and you want to speak to Francisco Nunez, a.k.a. Pija. You will get in for free, and you will get a free beer. That's a promise from this podcast. The point is, look, this worked out for him. You know, and um, there's a human – look, there's a human element. There's a social element. There's an economic element. And there's also, like, um, just, like, this sociopolitical element. Like, do people have the right to, to grow up and die in the country that they grew up in? You know, like – um. Like, you, nobody likes being crowded out of their own neighborhood, so to speak, you know? And so I understand that. And, like, for rightly or wrongly, people are allowed to feel that way, and they're allowed to vote accordingly. And um, so that's that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with a wall, but but not for the reasons that I think a lot of would-be Trump supporters are, you know? To for me, sure. It's, it's more of, like, um, like, a pragmatic thing. Well, this is, well, that's – and that was my whole point is that, like, from a pragmatic perspective, I mean, I just don't think that this wall – Especially the funding that they're asking for, five point seven billion dollars or whatever it is, which is like what we said earlier, eleven eleven hours, eleven hours. Right. I just want to see. I want to see the government start to work for the people again. I want it to be open again because this is this is not going to work for either party. I don't know if either side is negotiating good faith. I mean, granted, my my best, my most favorable view of Trump's initial offer is that he's doing what he normally does from the art of the deal, which is you always say a terrible offer for the other side. That way, due to the anchoring effect, when you actually negotiate a real deal. You meet in the middle right where you wanted to end up at to begin with. So he starts off with, I'm going to give you back some of the rights to DACA recipients that I rescinded last year. Obviously a bad fucking deal for Democrats. But if they counter and say, look, give us – just to get the government – because not going to get the grand bargain off, right. uh, with, off – but if they say just to get the ball rolling, how about pathway to citizenship for DACA? And we'll fund the wall. Yeah, but you can't do that without actually having a, a barrier, some sort of like. You know I'm saying you do that. Right. I'm saying you do that for like we'll, we'll fund. You know, you do that for DACA, we'll fund the wall, and then we'll use this as a jumping point for future immigration negotiations, which ideally won't happen every time the country's being held hostage by the budget. Um, that would be a step in the right direction. And for the record, we wouldn't be in the situation. Here's another thing about first. Person. We wouldn't be in this situation if we had a balanced budget amendment. We would never have to. Right. The government, neither party, could ever use funding the government because it would already be pre-funded because we would be living within our means well that's what's so funny about like i mean i don't know if you uh had seen that but the pago bill that uh pelosi was sponsoring which is essentially like look you can't introduce new legislation that uh would affect the the budget in a negative way until you find some way to remove some current spending and of course like all the like crazy radical left is going crazy saying like don't vote for this because they don't necessarily you know they have a very aggressive agenda. They want you know Medicare for all. Yeah. They want the Green New Deal yeah. and this yeah, that and the other. Fuck about the wall, and but they're thinking about their other programs. Right, exactly, exactly. And so they're like, no, no, no. But then you see the establishment well, like hypocrisy at Pelosi at all. You know that are like, hey, no, we pay go. This is the time now. We we're gonna switch. We're gonna flip flop. We're gonna be the party of fiscal responsibility. We're gonna let the Republicans spend themselves into oblivion. You know, it's it's a good move for the opposition party if you're asking me. Yeah, I mean. It's so weird, too, because immigration reform is one of those few reforms, unlike education, which is actually more numinous and complicated. Immigration reform is actually pretty straightforward. I mean, you have to do something about illegal immigrants. You have to do something about future immigrants. 
and you have to do something about uh, about current people in the immigration legal immigration by reforming that. And all of these like have pretty like common sense solutions. Yeah, like we can disagree on the number. We can say whether or not we need to increase legal immigration to 1.5 million. We can disagree on how much of it should be chain migration, how much should it be a point system. But but that's but we know the solutions. It's not right. like. Well, we don't act- yeah, we're just hashing out the numbers. Like, yeah. I mean, it's really yeah. just what comes down to what so, works. So what I see is like a failure of, of political willpower. I see a lot of ideologues, see a lot of pussies. And like, um, so that's that. You know, they, they, like if the only thing that the right wing cares about in, in regards to immigration is just the wall, then they ha- they don't care about immigration reform. And if right. the only thing the left cares about is DACA, like, you know, my friends that came here in high school and not everyone else who's already here. Then they're not serious either. I mean, even Ronald Reagan fucking gave citizenship to three million people. But the problem is he didn't fix the immigration system. So all he did was he said, okay, everyone who's in America up to 1987, you're going to be a green card holder and eventually a citizen. But then what happened? Millions more came after that. Like, so he didn't fix the problem. He just fixed the people that are already here. You need a total immigration package, and then you will actually solve this problem. Yeah, well, I mean, wishful thinking. I'm not sure we're going to get there anytime soon. It just takes, just, it just takes one brave leader. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just, let's let's be careful about that. Um. Ugh. All right. Well, that's the wall. You got anything to add? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, no. And I, I, if my memory serves, I think we're probably running a little bit long for the target that we're trying what's to. The t- uh, what's the time at right that now? That we're trying to uh, get to. Um. We got about 15 minutes left if we want to. Really, uh, two hours or what? What, what are we at right now? We're at one forty-seven thirty-four. All right. Well, I mean, worst case scenario, if we do like two or three minutes of silence, not even <laughs> tw- we could just kind of like cut it here. I'll like patch in a an ending if we want, or oh. do you want to like touch another t- subject? No, I think I think we covered enough ground for today. I mean, I don't want to like be like grasping for topics. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I was gonna say I, anything else that I think we get into is gonna end up being a, a much longer conversation than we intend it. I mean, that's usually how it works anyway. Right. So uh That's my mama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. About time to hit the old dusty trail. I don't know what's the outro? I don't know. We should we should definitely have a wrap up though. Mm. I feel like we're just kind of sitting here. Well, if you've chose to stick with us this far through that <laughs> That's what happens when you drink beers. You kinda just you're just kinda sitting here. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, like Congress, realistically, um, you know, I mean, it, it's definitely it's definitely worth saying, um, you know, we're really appreciative for for anybody who's uh, made this journey so far with us. And obviously, uh, you know, we're still working out some kinks and we're please attempting suggest top, to please suggest topics. Yeah, we're, we're attempting to do better at this ourselves. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, comments and, and consent of the viewers are, or the listeners rather is, is really good. What's going to drive this forward and help make us better. So. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, if you want to tell us what we're fucking assholes, we'll be happy to listen. So uh, please uh, send any comments uh, to the it's ESF podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, it's open for business and uh, we'll be we happy do? to respond to you in as quick as is possible. Real quick, Andrew, what are we doing about um, uploading these? Uh, we, where are the podcasts listen, uh, listed right now for everybody? They're listed on every major directory. So um, either Apple Podcasts. Uh, Google Play Podcasts, um, any of your apps that utilize RSS feeds will pick up on them. They're basically uh, in every in every major market that you uh, that you you would know. Um, you can use your favorite apps, uh, the podcast app. Um, I use Podcast Addict personally. Uh, I recommend the interface; it's really good. Um, doesn't have a lot of clutter. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, pick your poison. And what about the Facebook page? Are we gonna get that up and soon, so that people have an easier way to access it. We are gonna get that up and running. Uh, that's definitely something that's in the works now. Um, the 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 original issue uh, with getting that up and running was just a content problem. So I think now uh, that we have two ep- two full episodes uh, that are well seated and uh, they're listed, we can we can go ahead and we can. Uh, actually launch and then um hopefully at some point you know we can get an independent website where we'll have direct linking and um you can uh you can listen there too all right we'll begin that to you soon take care everybody see you in a couple weeks